up, everybody? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively Show. Mike Mahler, Sincere Hogan, that's me. And man, got an all-star lineup today, man. We, yeah, we have a party <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, couldn't just, well, we had to bring in two superstars this time, man. So uh, it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. yeah, we're bringing back two of our favorite guests. We have Dr. Mark Gordon and we have Andrew Marr of Warrior Angels. And he was just on a couple weeks ago, actually a couple months ago. So anyway, this is a topic that both of us are, are really compelled to really get the message out there. Just like Ty Ritter's episode with Project Child Save a couple weeks ago, that's an extremely important episode that everyone should listen to, share it with everyone you know, and most importantly, make a donation. What I hate more than anything else is when – you ever notice on, on, on Twitter, Sincere, when someone just <laughs> likes the post, they don't share it? It's like, share it, man. Don't just like it. Share yeah, especially it. on Twitter. It's really <laughs> – you know, just so irritated when people I mean, do that. The retweet button is right before the actual little heart button right there. So, like, I'll, I'll hit up people about Warrior Angels and Project Child Save. I'm like, hey, man, do me a favor and just get help spread the word about this. Here's a great episode. And people just like it. It's like, don't like it. Share it, man. That's part of spreading the word. And go make a donation, too, while you're at it, you cheap ass. Oh, Mike, I'm sharing the love. I liked it. I'm sharing the love, man. Come on. If you talk about people doing the minimum, it's like, it's like not only are they not going to make a donation, they can't even do a retweet. Like, well, I don't want to take away attention from my selfies and other nonsense I'm posting every five minutes that's so that's so true and so funny mike because we do campaigns and you're saying yeah. hey please just hit this button yeah. to this. that's it yeah and just you'll know, find it people just like it i'm like oh my god <laughs> finger that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah i noticed that you you had a strong campaign because i signed up for it and then it said like in big letters you know hit this button so that you can share it with everyone you know and i was sometimes, like right, here's a guy who's been there <laughs> sometimes you just have to tell people what to do <laughs> a lot of times i even ask you like what should i do next i just told you dude make a donation how do i do that <laughs> Go to the website. Where is it? The link. Right yeah. Oh, look. That's the most post. irritating part, right there. Like, gosh, why did your parents procreate? <laughs> it's like, come on. And then you have to give them a specific number to donate to. You can't oh, just yeah. give it up. Well, how much should I give? Out. How much do you have? <laughs> so you gotta be like a hustler, street hustler. What you got? <laughs> like, like, what did you spend at the strip club over the weekend? That hey, amount. Well, okay. I don't, <laughs> don't want to give that much, man. But come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, but I wanted to start off the discussion talking about Clomid because last time you were on the episode, Dr. Mark Gordon, that was one of our talking points, and then I did some research on it. And then, interestingly enough, one of the top UFC fighters, if not the top guy, John Jones, popped hot for Clomid and Arimidex. And people were racking their brains trying to figure out why he was taking these things and all these morons on the internet who think they're anabolic experts were just automatically assuming that he took this to recover from an anabolic cycle. And even Joe Rogan said, he goes, there's no benefit of taking Clomid on its own. People only take it to recover from an anabolic cycle, which is completely a misnomer to say the least. So Dr. I, first thing I wanted to ask you, Dr. Mark Gordon is, are there benefits in and of itself of taking Clomid? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're in a three-year project, not a study, a project where we're giving our patients the option to go on injectable testosterone or to try a cycle of clomac, clomiphene citrate, mm -hmm. which stimulates the body through a receptor that ends up causing an increase in testosterone. And with the almost 200 patients on it, it's phenomenal yeah. results. We're getting results that are equal to, if not greater, than injectable testosterone in physiological dosings, meaning that, you know, we always use 
the amount of testosterone to bring it up to a level that's within the normal range, not these astronomical numbers that people... Nor normal outside. range would be 350. Uh, normal range, thousand, you know, like lab to lab, that? it's different. Let's say 1,000 on the total testosterone, yeah. and let's say 15, 14, 15 on the free testosterone, which is the most important number. And by giving uh, physiological dosings and achieving physiological levels, you don't have to use the toxic chemicals like anastrozole. Now, these are, the, these are the ideal numbers you like to see everyone at then, 1,000 for total and about 15 for free. Yeah, free is more important than the total. Total, what does it really consist of? A lot of junk. It consists of forms of testosterone you can't use. So the only thing that is really the active form or the precursor to the active form is free testosterone. Now, is it possible that free is lower in people that are hard-training individuals because of androgen receptor uptake? It can be, but some articles that came out recently talking specifically about exercise and the appearance of increase in testosterone, they believe that it's due to um, dehydration causing this oh. artificial elevation. But there are other stories, uh, articles that talk about, yes, it does increase it. But I think it's more than just exercise. I think it's nutrition, the level of exercise, the type of exercise that can stimulate the body uh, to produce more testosterone for it to go up. It just seems that people who are working out hard are actually utilizing their testosterone. So maybe there's not going there's not going to be as much free in the blood floating around as a result of that, since being well, picked up on yeah, the tissue level. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Why do they tell diabetics to exercise? Because it causes the muscle metabolism to go up, and you yeah. absorb more sugar. Well, right. part of what helps the muscle is the testosterone, so you're using it more readily. Yeah. So it stimulates a feedback mechanism. If your testosterone drops, it tells the brain, hey, turn on those little nuts down there and make more testosterone. <laughs> Operative word, little nuts. you got to get your little nuts going, man. That's right. And they're little because you've been hitting yourself with too much steroid. Yeah, yeah. Now, backing up with, with Clomid. Now, Clomid is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, right? So a is CIRM, it, correct. CIRM, yeah, so it's a CIRM. So the way it works is it actually lowers estrogen in the brain, which somehow signals an increase in testosterone. Now, is that is that is that the body trying to find equilibrium where estrogen has gone down, so you're trying to increase testosterone, so more of it converts to estrogen to balance uh, it out? Well, it really triggers luteinizing hormone. So luteinizing hormone, if you're a ma well, if you're male or female, the first thing that happens in the testes and the ovaries is testosterone's produced first. Testosterone, yeah. ladies, precedes estrogen. Yeah. Not the other way around. Right. Now, if you lower estrogen in the brain, though, can that lower your sex drive? Have you found anyone yes. taking Clomid? Yeah. Because Absolutely. So if too uh, much too much Clomid, you lower the sex drive. What right. would you do? You just lower the dose at that point? You just lower the dose. But uh -huh. what we've done is in this three years of monitoring the benefits and potential risks of Clomid, which we haven't found any yet, is uh, we monitor the luteinizing hormone in the blood to watch it go from low, go up, 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 which is relative to the amount of testosterone that's being generated. Yeah. Also, what we've done is we found a pattern of dosing Clomid 50 milligrams, which maximizes the level without it being daily. You need to pulse the uh, brain and the testicles. Right. So it's every other day as opposed to daily. Every third day. Every, every third day. day. Okay. And you find out which one works best for the uh, individual. Everything we do is individualized. We don't just, you know, give everybody a rubber stamp in treatment as Andrew will tell you. 
Now, often, Clomid, especially with the John Jones UFC fighter scoring hot for taking these, we'll get to that in a second, why he scored hot for it, but people <clears> keep <throat> describing Clomid as an anti-estrogen, but no one takes it to lower estrogen, right? They're taking it, no. or men take it as a testosterone, a natural testosterone booster, not as a mechanism to lower estrogen because it's it's only lowering estrogen in the brain, right? Not systemically. It- it's not because what happens is when you increase testosterone, one of the pathways testosterone goes to is estradiol. Right. So, so it wouldn't make sense that it's an anti-estrogen product then because nah, if anything, it may increase estrogen as a result of testosterone going up. Yeah, it's called a modulator, you know, S-E-R-M-S. Yeah, yeah. It's a right, modulator right. stimulator. It's, you know, everybody's different. I've had two guys who had an incredible amount of estrogen spikes, so they developed a little bit of breast tenderness. Yeah, otherwise known as bitch tit. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do you want me to repeat I'm just, that after you? I'm just telling you the scientific name, doctor. Yeah, it's bitch tit. Yeah. I mean, like piss poor is a You know a when one of those term. guys comes in your office and he takes off his shirt, ah, bitch tits. You know, you write that down in your – BT. <laughs> ah, you got a case of the BTs there. I got okay. the BTs. Now, on that topic, is it possible to reverse gyno without surgery or is that always – well, that you have to take. We've we've attempted it. You know, if you catch it early, yeah, then you have the greatest ability to, to reverse it using something like tamoxifen. Yeah, uh, tamoxifen, you know, blocks the receptor. It doesn't stop estrogen production. What anastrozole does, it just stops the enzyme that causes conversion of testosterone to estradiol. But tamoxifen will block the receptor, and if you block the receptor, you lower the stimulating effect on the breast tissue. Right. And tamoxifen is a breast cancer drug, right? It is being used as a breast cancer to block those breast cancers that are estrogen uh, receptor uh, dominant. I wonder, I'm curious if a woman who has a genetic proclivity to breast cancer would taking tamoxifen before breast cancer manifests be a good preemptive measure? Or maybe well, pre- th- there are articles and there are um, studies, I believe, still on or were on in the early 2000s that uh, exactly what you said is what they were looking at. If you can block the receptors in people who are estrogen receptor positive for breast cancer, uh, that might be a benefit. Yeah, it seems way less intense than something like what Angelina Jolie did where she just had her her breast removed before. She just wanted an augmentation paid for by the health insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because she can't afford it otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, her case is interesting with the positive for the genetic code and then jumping in and going to the extreme. Yeah, that seems really extreme where it might have been the first step might have been to take something like tamoxifen as a preemptive measure. Yeah, well. I think, as you said, uh, next year we'll find out that what was done was wrong because we have new knowledge. There's an alternative. I think that's one of the frustrating things for the general public is that people keep learning new stuff. And then as a result, they're going, oh, you know what? What we said last year was wrong. Now now you have to do this. And then the next year, oh, you know what? That was wrong, too. (laughs) It's 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 like a choose-your-own-adventure book the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit bit more of honesty than I've seen in the 35 years of practice. Yeah. 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 Acknowledging that you did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it happens in the training world, too, except not too many people actually acknowledge they did things wrong. You know, that's the only difference. Now, with with Clomid and Arimidex, again, John Jones took allegedly took Cialis that was generic 
And that was, and that had Aramidex and Clomid in it. Now, why would those two drugs be in Cialis? What do you think would be the benefit? Well, I think the first off, it probably came from, you know, a third world country, knockoff <laughs> product. And they were looking to get the benefit of testosterone rise for libido and then blocking estradiol conversion. So you increase testosterone, so you have more DHT and your sex drive goes up. Right. So it, it's not an unrealistic um, combination but if you're buying Cialis, you should have the boner drug and not all these other things. Right. You want to know what you're taking. You want to know Absolutely. if you're going to – yeah. If you're, going to, if you're going to be taking Clomid and Arimidex, you want to know why you're taking them. And you actually want to know that you're taking them, not yeah, just have it as a surprise. Yeah, because if you develop BT, you know, you're going to say Cialis causes BT. <laughs> well, I did see some study that Cialis increases testosterone by about 8%, and I think it lowers estrogen by the same amount. I think it has to do with the physical activity that is That's gen- what I was thinking, generated. too, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. It's like, you, okay, you have a boner all of a sudden, your testosterone's going to go up. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I always laugh when people say Viagra doesn't increase libido. I was like, well, it may not increase libido directly, directly. but if you have – yeah, well, all of a sudden you have a woody. You know? it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> Most guys are going to want to use it. <laughs> it's like, well, since it's here, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Might as well use this, it. I'm not going to let this go to waste. Come <laughs> Talking about the, you know, those kind of drugs, the, the funniest aspect to the commercials is where they say, if you should have an erection lasting more than eight hours, call your doctor. Like, no. Who would call their doctor? You're going to call every woman you know. I'm lucky if I have 45 minutes. <laughs> like, oh, you're tired? Okay, hold on. Let me call this doctor in years, you know. <laughs> That's what the average guy is going to be taking pictures of his junk and sending it out. <laughs> <laughs> Time-lapse photography. <laughs> it's like, get over here quick. The stuff only lasts for three days. <laughs> So, I mean, also, the other thing that people kept on talking about is they go, John Jones took two estrogen blockers, Clomid and Aremidex. Now, why would you need to take two estrogen blockers? That's mistake number one. But also, people, no one no one besides myself, just to give myself a little pat on the back, no one seemed to realize that you take Clomid to increase testosterone. That may convert to estrogen, and that's why you would take Aremidex with Clomid rather than you're taking two estrogen blockers just for because – I don't know. You have so much surging estrogen. You need to need to take two. One's not enough. Well, um, no, I agree with your first statement that uh, you would take the uh, anastrozole to block the potential of the testosterone that's being boosted by the clomiphene citrate, and you want to counteract that. Right. But if they're using clomid as a recovery with HCG or by itself, it's because they've been using such outrageous amounts of testosterone that their system shut down. Yeah. And, and what you need to do is what happens is when you give too much testosterone, it triggers the in, an increase in the amount of this enzyme, uh, which you guys called uh, aromatase. It's estradiol synthetase. And it will always stay high. So right. when you put in a level of testosterone that in the past didn't convert to estradiol, now you've increased this pathway and yeah. you'll convert a lot faster to the estradiol. So you need to block it. But Arimidex has some problems, as we talked about before we started recording. You said it yep. lowers growth hormone. Yeah. Well, the issue, and I'm seeing this also with Clomid, is that uh, the central effect of Clomid lowering estradiol, as you stated, yeah. we're seeing drop-off in uh, growth hormone levels, which are transient. Mm. Um, so they first drop off significantly, and then they slowly come back. Estradiol stimulates the production of growth hormone. Yeah. So 
we see we've seen a fifty percent drop in the production of uh, IGF one, which wow. is the major one, which is wow. important, very yeah. important. So, yeah, that's important for people to know because someone could be taking that to lower their estrogen, and now that's managed. But now, as a result, they have extremely declined growth hormone. Right. And what we've been able to do is, you're familiar with the product called Secretropin. Oh, yeah. We've been able to give uh, these individuals Secretropin, and it counters it so you see a return of the level of uh, IGF-1, growth hormone IGF-1. Let's talk about that for a second. You, you developed this, this secretagogue to help people rejuvenate their growth hormone levels. How does your product work? Uh, Secretropin has uh, five... Um, compositions in it, which address five of the seven pathways in the brain that can actually increase uh, the production of growth hormone. A lot of the stuff we learned from the bodybuilding world back from the 50s and 60s by using things like L-arginine, uh, lysine, alpha-ketoglutarate, glutamine, and so forth. But there are other pathways. There's yeah. a melatonin pathway, a DHEA pathway, uh, dopamine pathway, so we have a natural form of dopamine, mucopapyrins, yep. which stimulates it. So secretropin has been on the market for about um, 15 years now. In 2006, it went into the physician's hands, and we've been using it in a lot of our veterans, and we've been getting some really impressive responses, not only because of the rise in the growth hormone IGF-1, but also the central benefits of things like dopamine, increasing sense of well-being and making making a lot of the guys feel a lot better. Is it important to get a precise dose, meaning two sprays may be better than four for some people, yeah, four is that, better than two for that's others? A, mm -hmm. That's a good point. I know that you're familiar with the product. Mm -hmm. um, the Everybody is different. Someone might need two sprays to get their levels to go higher. Some might need one, some might need three, some might need four. The fact is secretropin works within the normal regulatory system of the body. And within that system, if your level of growth hormone goes up too high, the body says, oh, slow down, make it less. So it works with the body system. And at nighttime, between eight at night and four in the mornings, when we produce the bulk of our growth hormone, so we use it at bedtime mm -hmm. to boost the level. It just amps it up a little bit. And we've had between 20% and 650% increase in production of growth hormone in about 89% of the cases. In the 11% of the cases where there's failure, it's because of trauma to the pituitary and it's never going to respond right. to this product. Right. Now, is it a problem to raise IGF-1, the metabolite of growth hormone, too much in terms of turning on, turning up cancer? That's a great question. Um, you have to understand that growth hormone, when it's produced 8 o'clock at night to 4 o'clock in the morning, goes to the liver and turns on nine proteins. One of the key proteins is this thing you mentioned, IGF-1, which is pro-mitotic, which means it will increase cellular replication. It's anti-apoptotic, which means it'll stop the natural process of killing cells that are bad. But at the same time, growth hormone stimulates IGF-1. It also stimulates another product called BP3, IGF-BP3, which is binding protein 3. And what binding protein 3 does is it counters any of the negative reactions from IGF-1 in the potential of abnormality of DNA, which might become a cancer and propagating that. So there's a balance in the system. And I won't go into great detail, but it's a phenomenal, complex convoluted 
protective mechanism that the body yeah. has. And in fact, just talking about BP3, which is increased by growth hormone, studies out of called the Melbourne study showed that BP3 has anti-cancer effect on the colon. And there are other studies showing other cancers, but it's uh, it's not to be feared. And I know traditional medicine, they, they try to uh, put a fear into us saying that, oh, if you have an unknown cancer, it'll cause it to grow. Well, yeah. If you use growth hormone, it stimulates BP3, which counters that. Right. You know, right. It's, it's like having out. a bottle of scotch and then following it up with a bottle of uh, a kettle of coffee. Well, that sounds like a bad combo. Well, <laughs> if you got to drive home, it works. <laughs> now you're drunk and you can't go to sleep. <laughs> now, with with IGF one, is there a range that's optimal? Let's say. Between 200 and 300, maybe if it's... Yeah, that's, it's, a, that's a good number, but again, yeah. you have to um, personalize it because right, right. I've seen people that are in um, 37 and you get them to 180 and they're feeling great or right. else they're losing body fat or their brain's coming back on board yeah, uh, or they're recovering after workout or their wounds are healing. And I've seen people at 344 where they have all the problems of someone less than 100. Yeah. So it's you have to individualize it. Andrew, have you used the product? I have, and it's been a very beneficial. We saw a boost in, in all those numbers that uh, Mark was just talking about. Matter of fact, I pulled up my labs as you guys were talking to see the, uh, the trends there, and the overall sense of well-being from the use of that product has been very beneficial. Yeah, and I know, Sincere, you're using it too, right? You said it improved your sleep. Since you're off, since you're off taking a nap now, oh, he needs another <laughs> shot. That's night. Since just took a couple sprays, pass it around. I got my bottle on my desk. Yeah, I'm definitely loving it, man. I really started to see like a like a big change, and I started asking Mike. I was like, dude. Like, okay, what exactly is everything in here? What is this doing? Because first of all, my sleep is ridiculous now. I mean, it's to the point where. When I spray it at night, probably about 10, 15 minutes later, I just want to go to sleep. I don't get drowsy or anything like that. It's just a natural sleep. It's the way sleep should feel where, you know, I don't think about anything. I'm not, you know, just like, oh, I need to do this tomorrow or anything like this. Like, I actually just like, you're like, okay, lights off, tablet off. And I just want to just sit here and relax for a second and I'm out. And it just feels like I've slept, I mean, a solid, no matter what, whether it's six hours, seven hours, eight hours, it all feels like good eight hour sleep. No matter yeah. what. I mean, when I wake up, I'm like energized, ready to go. I'm like, wow. And so I had to, I hit Mike up and said, dude, what was that that Dr. Gordon gave us, man? Because uh, that's, that's, that's almost like a crackhead. Like, I'm about to run out, man. So uh, I got like two bottles left, man. So I, you know, hit, hook a brother up. And you, right. you, you've had some crazy dreams on it. I remember oh. you telling me that you and Dr. Gordon <laughs> entered, entered, entered the Tron world together. Were we in the same dream? <laughs> You're both riding a unicorn shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Oh, no. That's sick. Andrew, um, have you found the same thing with deep sleep? Yeah, absolutely. And what, what? I found is like uh, I'll be able to sleep five hours, wake up, and feel phenomenal, ready to go. Um, and, and that's been consistent. Um, you know, sometimes I'll sleep longer, but the fact that I can sometimes sleep four and five hours, wake up and feel like, I, hey, that I have all my cognitive faculties, you know, performing at optimal levels. Yeah. Shit, that's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Also, Dr. Gordon, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Nick Delgado, 
I know he, he creates some interesting products too. And he has one called Testro Vita cream. And I'm curious if you think that would be beneficial for Andrew and all the people you work with because it's a cream that has pregnenolone, DHEA, and then it has Scottish pine bark precursor to testosterone. So it seems like this would rejuvenate the entire sex hormone chain. Um, on paper, absolutely. Uh, you know, if the product, I, I've worked with Nick for many years. I use one of his products called Power and Speed, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he makes great products. And this composition that, you know, it's, I saw it when I was with him in San Diego a couple of weeks back. Yeah. It has the potential of uh, supporting the entire hormonal cascade. Uh, I'd monitor the patient to see how well each of us, each individual absorbs it, which is a difference person to person. And if it's able to achieve the levels that we need for the improvement with pregnenolone and low cortisol or pregnenolone and anxiety attacks and DHEA and, and depression and um, down the chain to uh, testosterone, then it's a done deal. Yeah. Now, do you find that with transdermal delivery, let's say someone takes DHEA, is it possible that DHEA may not even go up that much because of the conversion to testosterone? Um, <clears throat> you know, you don't know unless you try. Right, I mean, right. Theoretically, it should work. Um, you know, my only um, drawback on using topical products is that it's so variable yeah. from person to person. And you try to make a commitment to, okay, you're going to take this. It'll increase your levels by about 50%. And you see in someone, it only increases it by 10%. Yeah. Some of the problems with topical application is that you don't sh smear it. I think the word is smear. You don't spread it around to a large enough area, which is like 100 square centimeters, the flank from the armpit down to the pelvic brim or to the uh, hip joint, and right. to spread it out uh, wide enough so you don't have you know, it uh, laminating on top of each other, so you have a nice singular molecular um, layer and absorption, whether or not their skin is thick and dry, whether or not they have you know, thick adipose tissue fat. Yeah. There's too many variables. In women, I tend to use everything vaginally, and they can use less and get it absorbed much faster. In certain of our population, uh, rectal um, application absorbs a lot faster. And then, you know, we work on liposomal oral delivery technology, so you can use less, vo uh, less concentration of the product with greater absorption. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. What? I don't, here comes the twelve-year-old. I, 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 I had a few jokes. I, I was, was about to make there. <laughs> I set you up. Come on, had, but I was one go. I, was, I wasn't confident I could get them out, so I'm going to hold off. <laughs> I was going to say. So when it comes to when it comes to women, you're a big fan of vaginal and oral delivery. I think was going to be one of the jokes there. <laughs> okay. I knew it was coming. I was like, here we go. <laughs> Oh man, you just make it too easy. Too easy. <laughs> it's called the setup and delivery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should do a show out here. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, are you? Do you think that oral delivery is benefit is is better just to get the dose more precise? Um, oral? You mean oral like a like for DHEA and and pregnenolone, for example? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we developed a uh, liposomal um, delivery. Uh, which means that you can use much less of the actual drug and get greater absorption. You know, when we take stuff in by mouth and swallow it in capsule tablet or whatever, yeah. 
a lot of it is destroyed by the stomach acid. Right, right. So what happens if we can deliver something which is impervious to stomach acid and have the actual amount absorbed that you need? And a great example was a study that was done with vitamin C. They gave people a 1,000 milligrams of encapsulated vitamin C, and they only absorbed 19%, 190 milligrams out of the 1,000. Well, when they mixed it with one of our formulations of um, liposome, or one of the formulations that's out there, not mine specifically, one of the formulations, there was 97% or 970 milligrams of absorption. Wow. So if you're getting 190 is all you need, you can drop the dose by a fifth uh, or to a fifth by four-fifths, and deliver 200 so you get, you know, 97% absorption. Yeah, that's like intravenous vitamin therapy Correct. at that level. And that's Yeah, that's that's actually right. In our testosterone product, it's called Testosome. It's not available yet. Um, we deliver 11 milligrams, which is equivalent to about 50 milligrams IM, 22 for 100. Oh, interesting. So this is an oral testosterone this is delivery. A, yes, it's a liposomal. Okay, So liposome basically forms like a cell to protect the molecule of testosterone. Yeah. And it's small enough so that it gets right in almost like an IV. Is that similar to some of the glutathione products in the market? Yeah. Correct. Because that's another one that doesn't absorb well without some kind of... I've moved away from glutathione, and it's specifically because of these studies that are coming out, came out uh, in the military by the Army, showing that N-acetylcysteine, NAC or NAC, um, helps to upregulate the production of um, glutathione. And in the brain, when you have a veteran with uh, blast trauma, yeah. as uh, Andrew can ex- explain and exemplify, you end up losing this system called glutathione system, which helps remove all the inflammation and free radical damage in the brain that leads to interruption of the normal steroid production in the brain, the neurosteroids. And that's why we see the personality changes, the mood swings, the depression, suicide ideation, and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. So our oral testosterone gets into the brain in about 20 minutes. People start feeling it in about 20 minutes. Very interesting. I mean, I think on a surface level, a lot of people have the misnomer that what you guys are doing is just giving people testosterone, and it's way more comprehensive than that. Correct. That's one of potentially many things that you're going to work on, some of it non-hormonal, such as the glutathione. Correct. Or, I mean, or, or N-acetylcysteine, yeah. N-acetylcysteine. About nine, uh, 80% of our treatment protocol is non-hormonal, maybe a pro-hormone, pregnenolone, DHEA. 7-keto DHEA, but it's the anti-inflammatory compartment that we're really focusing on in conjunction with testosterone, whether or not it's Clomid or injectable testosterone or vaginal or what have you. Now, what's the benefit of 7-keto DHEA versus DHEA? Um, A couple of uh, benefits. One, it's thermogenic on the liver, so it'll increase uh, fat utilization. Number two, it stimulates the immune system. And the reason why I started using it was in certain uh, people, both males and females, they would have a predilection or predisposition towards uh-huh. converting androstenedione. You know, DHEA goes to androstenedione on the left pathway, right. and on the right pathway becomes testosterone. But some people preference the left pathway and get a lot of AD1, which doesn't always go to testosterone, but goes to estrone. So by right. using 7-keto DHEA, you can block 
that pathway. Right, and estrone would cause you to accumulate abdominal fat, especially in women. Yeah, but the, the real issue is estrone becomes estradiol, estradiol becomes estrone. Right, it's right. a two-directional pathway, and all you're doing is dropping the pathway on the left so you can control the estradiol. And this is you know, natural way of manipulating the estradiol chains or the right. estrogen chains. Would that help women? As, like When women become menopausal, many what happens is they – Estrone kicks up to pick up the slack for estradiol, so you end up moving fat away from the glutes to the stomach. So a lot of women lose their curves and then end up with a lot more fat stored in the stomach. Yeah, Does 7-Keto help with that? uh, 7-Keto might help with it as part of a more comprehensive approach. Abdominal fat accumulation is due to low IGF-1, increase in insulin, low testosterone, low DHT. Yeah. Even in women, low DHT in both men and women. Yeah. For women, it'll be low testosterone. I mean, I see, you know, a significant amount of female lab results and they all have, you know, very low levels of testosterone. Also, those women, women who are on birth control pills, you know, I have three daughters, so I monitor them, not their sexual activity, but (laughs) blood work. They don't report to me either. Anyway, um, I was about to call you Donald Trump there for a second, but that's it. Yvantu? Okay. Hopefully, so, there aren't any hips of you with your daughter with your hands in her hips, but that's uh, not story. I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, anyway, what happens from birth control pills, it shuts down testosterone. Right, right. Why is testosterone important in women? Because that's another thing, is a lot of women don't realize how important testosterone is for their yeah. thing. I won't tell you how many times I've had a woman sitting yeah. at the te- at the table reviewing her labs and I said, Your testosterone low and she says, I didn't know women had testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Um it helps with uh, sleep, sense of well being, communicative skills, um aplum, assertiveness, competitiveness. Yeah. Um, sleep, I said, uh, it just has an overwhelming benefit. Uh, it helps with depression, anxiety, panic, just a whole litany of, uh, benefits, psychological sex drive is it's important for women's sex drive as well. Yeah. Men's, right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a great article. I was going to mention it earlier. There was a great article by, I believe it was Abraham Morgenthaler, a urologist out of Harvard. Oh, yeah. 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 Abraham, um, I think he presented, or it was his paper, uh, how important it is to have a good amount of estrogen in a male brain in order for libido to exist. So you need both estrogen and testosterone. I've always found that if my estrogen level goes too low, let's say below, like estradiol below 20, it Mm. definitely has a deleterious effect on sex drive. Mm. One of my blood tests, it was at 12 to 14. It was at 14, I think. Yeah, my sex drive was really low then. Yeah. When, it's, when it's between 20 and 30, though, I feel great. you got to stop that Arimidex. <laughs> I don't need Arimidex. I have my own estrogen blocker, EC, which is actually all natural alternative to Arimidex, and it actually works very well to the point where I only take one cap at night before I go to sleep. If I take what's, too many. Is this the right venue to ask what's in it? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's got turmeric in it. It's yeah. got a Brassiopsis in it, and it has Prunella in it. So these are definitely three different herbs. I can send you some information over if you want to take a look. I'd be curious for your feedback. Yeah, Absolutely, because I'd rather use a 100% natural product than a a drug that has so many deleterious effects on our functioning. Yeah, I I found it works really well. And it doesn't work for everyone, but I've had a lot of good feedback. And it definitely works well for me to the point where if I take 
what I often recommend to others, if I take that, it drives mine too low. But I don't tend to have high estrogen to start with. So I, for me, it's more of a preemptive measure. Now, getting to Andrew, we've had some interesting developments since the last time you were on. I saw you were on. You were talking to Montel Williams recently. Yeah. I've seen uh, you, w- different women that you guys have worked with too. Different soldiers also. That it's not. This is not just a male thing. That's one thing I wanted to emphasize as well. Is that there's plenty of women that have served that are coming back with PTSD from traumatic brain issues. That, that, that's uh, that's absolutely correct, Mike. And also, what we're seeing is uh, women who have. Uh suffered the abuse of uh, military, what they call military sexual trauma, uh, uh, MST. Right. And uh, we have several uh, females in the program who are uh, who are receiving the benefits because of that. Now, how, how can people help with the fund drive you guys are working on? Well, um, the main thing they can do is to follow us uh, on our social media and our website. But what we're doing, we did it last year um, right around 9-11. We're doing the same thing this year. And the reason we picked 9-11 is to basically honor the post-9-11 service and sacrifice that so many uh, have answered that call and so many families as well. And uh, we're going to honor that by defeating traumatic brain injuries, pretty much uh, the mission of, of Mark uh, and uh, foundations as well. And so if they want to support that, please come to the website. Or you can follow us stuff on social media and uh, help us to pass that information out. Um, but that, that's the next big fundraiser, fundraiser we're yeah. doing next month. So, so people know, what exactly does the money go towards? Is it paying for screening for soldiers? Is it treatments, all of the above? Yeah, so when you when somebody receives uh, help from us, we pay for them to have a laboratory analysis through our labs, Access Medical Labs, and then that's going to cover all consultations with a physician and all hormones, supplements, you know, whatever their specific protocol is. And so we do follow-up labs every uh, 9,220 days uh, for the first year, and that's how we can kind of assess how that individual is doing. You know, what do we need to add? What do we need to take away? Or what do we, do we just keep it going at the at the same pace? Yeah. Um, but uh, that money goes directly to support um, that those efforts. I see you guys are getting more mainstream traction. Is this something that's starting to spread more where people are becoming aware of the importance? I I think so. We've had, you know, like you said, we had some good traction. So we had the uh, opportunity to be on Fox News in New York and uh, we did a bunch of media out there. Uh, You know, Montel's office contacted us specifically uh, because they were doing a TBI uh, special, you know, so We've kind of uh, been launched to the forefront in the in the realm of uh, you know post combat traumatic brain injury and post traumatic stress, kind of being somewhat of a subject matter expert on it and offering up a you know scientifically proven and validated option that is uh, uh, magnitudes of order greater than the current uh, the current offerings. Yeah, have there have there been any new testimonials that have been really compelling that stick out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I get um, we get testimonials almost on a weekly basis now, and it will be uh, from guys' wives. Uh, it will be from the individual themselves and mother. I, I have a, a booklet just full of it, uh, full of them. But what we do now is we try to uh, publish a new video every month, specifically on a soldier or veteran's you know story, essentially come back to life story. 
and the latest one that uh, I share with you via email that we haven't that will come out uh, online uh, at the first of uh, September tells this guy's incredible story, you know, multiple medications, multiple suicide attempts, uh, got back online uh, through the foundation, got on his protocols, doing so well now, he's back working again full time and hitting on all cylinders. And again, that's not specific to just that one case. This is what we're being able to produce and replicate time in and time out. Do you find that people turn around fairly quickly, or does it take a month or two before people start feeling optimal? I know in yourself, you said on the on the first injection you got with testosterone, it was night and day. Yeah, it seems to be fairly quickly. If I had to run an average, I'd say in between two to four weeks, you know, for for the majority to feel the benefits. Some can be, uh, you know, sooner than that. Uh, so we've had conversely some be as, as long as six months. Yeah, and that, that, that's why it's important that the person takes their protocols as prescribed, and that's why it's important for us to follow up every month via monthly patient questionnaire, following certain uh, certain questions that allow us to gauge how the individual is doing, and then to triangulate that with the objective analysis. You know, every 90 to 120 days, so we have a true understanding. Okay, well, this person is not responding, so we need to try this. And it might take Dr. Gordon two or three, you know, tries at that. But I have not seen one case now where we haven't been able to uh, dramatically improve an individual's quality of life if they were willing to do things as he prescribed them to do it. Right. So some people have to be patient with this. Not everyone's not going to be magic for everyone. And I think that's the case with anyone who's trying to improve their health. Yeah. Often it's often it's a long term journey of just tweaking things to fine tune it. You know, the, the most important aspect in this in, in life is the mind and your right. mental outlook, outlook on life. And if you're taking this skeptically or you're taking this thinking it might not work or whatever or apply that to any metric in life, of course it's not going to work because your mind, your subconscious has just told the body to reject it. So, yeah. you know, what we try to tell guys is, hey, be positive. Tell yourself this is going to work. Tell yourself you're going to get back online. Tell yourself, you know, do all the things you need to do mentally to prepare yourself to win. And then we're going to put right back in your body what it's lacking. And that's when the magic happens. I mean, is it is it the goal for every soldier serving to be able to have access to this treatment? Yeah, I think our goal is uh, to have this understood uh, by all of humanity because yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can see all the behavioral health issues of today, and what America makes up what five percent of the population, but we consume seventy percent of the medication. Um, right, right. Some of the latest studies, and so people are sad, depressed, uh, have anxiety, they have diabetes, and they don't know how or why things are happening. And instead of getting out of the same behavior that caused these same actions to, to produce these same results. You know, they, they just keep on and that keep on that, that that wave. So we want to say, hey, there is it, it has to do with inflammation and uh, dysregulation of your neurochemistry. It's all about that. And so if we can limit, minimize inflammation, if we can then uh, replenish the deficient uh, hormones produced in the brain, your quality of life will improve. You will probably have to be able to come off any antidepressants or anti-anxiety pills because you're now now no longer perceiving the world as a threat because right. you have the right balance of chemicals in your brain to be able to make that call. 
I think one of the biggest mistakes is often people look at depression as circumstantial, and that can be the case sometimes, death of a loved one, life events, etc. But often people have depression which is not related to their circumstances. It's because of everything you just mentioned. It's brain chemistry. It's hormonal. Yeah. And, and Dr. Gordon, have you found – do you think it's safe to say, Dr. Gordon, that the way we think and feel is affected by our hormonal profile much more than how we think and feel affects our hormonal profile? Absolutely. I think that's one of the cardinal missing links. Uh, I gave a lecture uh, December of last year for the International Society of Neurofeedback and Research, and it was a 45-minute presentation that went through every single major psychiatric psychological mood disturbance and its relationship to hormones. And there are Testosterone, I'll give you for instance, testosterone and depression, there are 70,400 articles since 2000-2012 just talking about testosterone and depression. Then estrogen, estradiol and depression, there's like almost 100,000 articles out there. So we have a wealth, a dearth, if you will, of information on the relationship, but no one's reading it. No one's implementing it. And that's what we do. I always say it's impossible for a man to feel at his best with depleted testosterone levels. You know, if you or don't have thyroid, yeah, I mean, or, or estrogen, or any of the hormones, exactly, or any DHEA, of growth hormones, vitamin D, yeah. antidepressant effect of vitamin D, antidepressant of DHEAS. In 1952, there were research studies showing DHEA when it converts in the brain to DHEAS drops depression. Recently, in the past six seven years. Articles have been coming out just on this topic, reflecting on the original research of 1952. It's all there. It's amazing that this information is just not more mainstream. It's amazing that so many people are on depression medications, which is just a surface solution, if you, if you could even call it a solution. Well, it's a masking. <laughs> yeah, it's a That's masking. what we see in the what? veterans community. All the drugs that they're on, it's just to mask the symptoms not to treat it. But is there is is are there examples where it is useful for someone suffering from depression, different medications, or is it just focusing on the surface, not getting Well, I I think, you know, if you've had multiple suicide attempts and being placed on an antidepressant doesn't increase that, you know, there's now the black box on all the antidepressants. It says that this product will work for your depression if you can get through the beginning of increased depression and suicide. So, you know, in certain situations as a protective means, yeah, but look at what protection means, whacking you out so you can't function. Right. It's just basically you're numb. You're not not depressed anymore because you're numb. You don't feel anything. That's That's not exactly the solution. No, definitely not. We talk about it all the time, and it's what's the underlying condition? If we're not asking the right questions and it's just easy to do symptom management, then nothing's going to resolve itself. It's going to be the same old cycle. And I think that's the problem, Mike, is uh, yeah. we, uh, we as a Western medicine, you know, they don't at, we don't ask the right questions, you know, because why? Because it's not in the best interest of the pharmaceuticals to do that. Uh, again, you look, look at the numbers and how we're taking more medication than we ever have, yet we're sicker and and uh, fatter than we've ever been as a population. And so, you know, there's a de- direct correlation with that because they're in the business to continue to maximize profits at, at any cost. And the right. cost right now is the American's health. 
You know, I think also what Mike was just saying, um, it's amazing that this information is not out there as much. But also on the flip side of that, with the pharmaceuticals and mask, you know, just treating the symptoms itself, they're well funded. So therefore, they have more mass marketing. And the thing is, when you, you're constantly just throwing that marketing at people over and over and over, then it becomes acceptable. It becomes normal. It becomes like, oh, that's the go-to thing to do, whether you're the patient or that doctor that's going to prescribe it out there because that's what they're seeing all the time. Instead of just asking, like, like Andrew said, instead of asking those questions and going a little bit deeper, you know, just like, let's just get to like the first step right behind the, pro- the, the symptom. You know, what just got you to this point right now? Not what got you there five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, or this event or that event and going, you know, deep, deep, deep with it, which like, like Andrew said, that's, that's part of our Western culture, not just with, you know, symptoms like TBI or, or PTSD, but just anything in our lives, any kind of problems that we have in our lives. We just go for the simple answer Well, it must be this because of that. Not necessarily, you know. Well, the problem is both the patient and the doctor, in my opinion. And here's what I mean by that. Doctors are looking for the quickest solution to get the patient out the door. I'm not saying old doctors, just in general. Like a lot, any any of us who's ever been to a general practitioner has had the experience. Personally, no. Any of us who've gone to a general practitioner, we've had the experience of you spend, you wait for an hour to spend two minutes with the doctor, and then you're sent on your way with the prescription. Right. Pretty much everyone listening right now has had that experience. So what happens is now on the on, so what happens is the doctor is looking for the quickest solutions, like, oh, you're depressed. Let's get you on this. Get out of here. Next patient. But at the same time, the patient is looking for it. Just give me a pill, doc. Yeah, exactly. As well, they don't want to hear, well, look, look, what's your diet like? <laughs> diet? What does that have to do with it? <laughs> you know? yeah, I'm, the, I'm depressed, you know? <laughs> you know so. Because, I mean, diet has a huge component with depression. If you're eating a, a high sugar, low quality diet, which is pretty much 90% of people out there, right. wh- why, why are you even surprised that you're fucking depressed? Of course you're <laughs> depressed. It's depressing for me to see what's in people's shopping carts when I go to the grocery store because none of it is real food. There's not one thing in there that's real food. It's all fake food products. It's uh, it's oral entertainment if you could even call it that, you know, because it's not giving you any nutrition. You're not tasting my- something, you're eating it, you're like, wow, this tastes like something, but you're not getting any, you're not extracting any nutrition whatsoever from it. So is, is, is that one of the things you guys work on as well is this, you're rejuvenating people's nutrition programs. You're looking at what people are eating. It's like eat this way and then take these supplements and then let's put you on hormone therapies if necessary as well. Uh, nutrition is uh, a very important component of the gut-brain syndrome where you know you have to feed yourself to feed the brain. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people, you know, the vets we see and also the civilians that we see with traumatic brain injury, because of the traumatic brain injury, they can't figure out good eating habits. Yeah. So yeah. fortunately, my, you know, I have three daughters, two docs. My middle one is uh, functional and nutritional medicine. She just graduated oh. from her training at Bastyr and is coming into the office. And her first project with me is to help to uh, develop a uh, better than a ketogenic diet for people with traumatic brain injury because ketogenic diets, you know, decrease the free radicals, but at the same time, they increase cellular death, especially in someone with traumatic brain. So I I believe if I jump too far ahead, Andrew, you can smack me when I see you in September, but I believe that uh, in conjunction with Warrior Angel Foundation and my daughter to help to build... uh, a nutritional protocol that uh, improves the gut-brain scenario. Yeah, no, that, that's ex- absolutely correct. So we're going to have a nutritional aspect uh, to what we offer. We just 
because of, uh, you know, starting up and, and resources have not gone that route yet. Yeah. But like Mark said, we're, you know, we're looking at it and, you know, neurogenesis, how to eat for neurogenesis and how, how to create a neuropermissive environment for the brain. So it right. has the ability to repair and regenerate as needed. That, that's, that's number one. Like how can we, enforce and have uh, the population understand that that's important and so we're we're going through that uh those matrix that those metrics right now to come up with that that program yeah it seems like optimizing brain chemistry would be really important you got dopamine acetylcholine gaba serotonin the four main ones mm-hmm. i find that i'm prone to mild depression if my serotonin gets too, too depleted and then I, if i take something like 5htp for a couple weeks i, I just feel better Almost immediately, within the first couple of days, I tend to I tend to be a dopamine driven person. Where I'm just burning dopamine a lot, and it is can that deplete your serotonin, Doctor Gordon? If uh, yeah, if, they're interrelated. Five yeah. HTP and dopamine have inverse relationships to each right, other. Right. So when one's up, the other's down. One's up, the other one's down. Right. And you know, using things like Mucopa, which you can buy online, it has a thirty percent weight per volume of L-dopa in it. And in fact, in some of the uh, vets who have damage to the area that produces dopamine, substantia nigra, we give them a real medication called amantadine, which boosts the production of uh, dopamine as well as increases the sensitivity of the receptors, as well as does testosterone. Right. So, yeah, yeah, Makuna's in my testosterone booster, actually, uh, 20% L-DOPA, and, and, and I know it's in your growth hormone secretagogue as well, secretropin. Right. And I, I love Makuna, man. I've, even yeah. before I developed my testosterone booster, I used to take it pre-workout, about 100 milligrams, about an hour before training, and it always lead, led to a, a great workout. Yeah, it's uh, what? It's an up. It's a stimulant. It's a yeah. feel-good, Right. I think right. is what they call it. But yes, it works very well. Uh, for apathy, the military studies and also the general psych studies on it's for apathy, apathetic personality, sluggish functioning. You give uh, either amantadine or I'd rather use a natural product like yours. Um, probably cost a, a lot less than what they're ripping us off for for amantadine, which I used to buy for forty-two dollars for a hundred. That's now a Parkin, Parkinson's dollars. Parkinson's drug, right? Yeah. Well. It was originally a in 1966. It was an antiviral. Oh, and okay. In the 1960s, when they were doing the studies, they happened to give it to elderly, and a lot of them had Parkinson's. And what happened? <laughs> Their Parkinson's disappeared. Yeah. So it switched over to being used for Parkinson's, but it's antiviral. What about Depranil? Uh, Depranil uh, Sledgeline, great yeah. product. L-Depranil yeah. is great, a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, uh, permanent inhibitor. It's great. It boosts the neural connectivity. I use it on some of the people that failed uh, amantadine treatment for dopamine yeah. because this will increase across the board all the neuro, almost all the neurotransmitters. Yeah, no doubt. Five so, milligrams. Okay, that's pretty high yeah, for, for, for this for these cases. You want but, a difference between? No, the, no, I mean, I mean, what about the average person who doesn't have five? I start with five. five. And go okay, to ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what Which about compounded? I get it from a small village in India, actually. What? Small village <laughs> in India? <laughs> <laughs> you can get it from a large village in South <laughs> I get it at the same place I get my turmeric. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> San Diego, we can get it. <laughs> okay. I've, I've taken one to two milligrams in the past, and I found that to be pretty effective, but I'll, I'll try five milligrams. I'm yes. game. 
Try five milligrams of uh, if you get L dipronil. I think online you can get it. Maybe that's from the small village in. No, you can get it at anti aging systems completely legally. You know, this, it's not a gray area purchase. So it's anti aging yeah. systems. It's okay. Dot net. Legal. Yeah, yeah, I get it from uh, University Compounding Pharmacy, who has also put up a $100,000 uh, fund for our veterans. Oh, that's great. For their compounded products. Oh, that's fantastic. What about GABA, right? Because a lot of these soldiers are dealing with anxiety, and could that be just GABA deficiency as well? It can be, but it's what we're finding is a pregnenolone deficiency. Mm. Progesterone, you know, cholesterol to pregnenolone, pregnenolone to progesterone, progesterone to allopregnanolone, they stimulate more GABA. Yeah. And when you increase the GABA, I mean, for sleep, pregnenolone, 60 milligrams or for women, maybe uh, 50 or 100 milligrams of progesterone, and they end up sleeping where they didn't sleep in the past. Yeah, so maybe brain chemistry is the wrong focus in that if you improve hormonal chemistry, that improves brain chemistry as a side effect. Right. As Andrew yeah. said, if you don't control the inflammation, right. all these chemical pathways shut <clears throat> down. And this is inflammation in the brain? Correct. Or just this, okay. What about systemic enzymes? Have you, have you used any of those? Because that's been, uh, that's very effective for for systemic inflammation, but I'm not sure about brain inflammation in particular. Well, the best combination right now, based on new literature that I've been reading, is a combination of NAC and uh, mixed tocopherols, which are the vitamin E, alpha, right. delta, and GABA. Right. They shut off the chemical, which is you know medical jargon, NF kappa B which is a trigger for major inflammatory cascades throughout the body, not just the brain, but it helps brain and it helps body and it clears up the mind. I think, Andrew, you're on that protocol? Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, it helps with clarity of mind. It uh, regenerates the glutathione and kicks out the free radical damage oxidative load, you know, oxidative stress, so which a- really have a negative effect on the brain. Right, yeah. Andrew, I'm curious what a day looks like for you in terms of your protocol. Well, I uh, I go through a process where Sunday I set everything up for the entire week, right. um, and, and uh, I found that that that's crucial to running a successful week. So Sunday I sit down at a set time and I set everything up. Uh, at that point, uh, I take uh, injectable testosterone. I'll go ahead and load uh, my syringes and, and put them in a safe. But then I'll basically I have a uh, an AM and a PM route. And uh, the two or three things that I take uh, mid-afternoon, I'll have in a, a separate um, setup. So everything is prepackaged, ready to go. I wake up, I take the AM route. Evening time, I take my secretropin and and the uh, and the PM uh, supplements and, and, and hormones. And then I know because uh, around lunchtime, I got my other ones ready to go. So I've set it up a process where that that works for me, so I can consistently and reliably do it the same way every time. Right. Are you doing growth hormone injections as well? No. Uh. Uh-uh. The uh. The, I we got a big enough bump with the secretropin. Okay. Great. Yeah. IGF one uh, is doing really good. Is it a nuisance for you to travel with everything you take? It's it's not a nuisance, um, but I have to say, I mean, I have the right mindset for it. So right. I know that hey, if I don't if I don't have this stuff, uh, I'm coming off the track. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. And, uh, that's just not an option. So to me, it's a privilege to be able to load up and think, okay, how can I travel? You know, with these things and and uh, and optimize that. 
it's never been an issue traveling with injectable, you know, it's all prescription. Um, so it's never been an issue traveling with any of these things and having uh, TSA have any problems with it or anything like that. But sometimes it's, it's working with the general public can be frustrating because you'll recommend things, right? And they'll go, well, I don't want to take all these pills. It's like, okay, well, just feel like shit for the rest of your life then. <laughs> which which to them was which to I them mean, was a lot easier. It's a lot no, easier. But, but it's just, can I record that? <laughs> no, it's just it's just amazing to me how lazy people are. Because they feel so like crap. Easy. Feel like shit yeah. because all you have know, to but, do is just say I feel like shit, and there you go. You move on with your day. There's there's no effort. No, but they're but they're coming to people like you and me, sincere. They're going, I want to feel better. What do I do? And then we're telling them what to do, and they're like, Well, I don't want to do that. That sounds like, like well, a lot of work. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, man. It took a lot of work for you to start feeling like shit. It's like you just realized you felt like shit a couple years ago. You've been, you've been working on this for a couple of decades, but they had to get enough energy from feeling like crap all those years to accumulate enough energy. To- <laughs> now, fortunately, uh, by the time people come to me, or unfortunately, by the time people come to me, they say, you know, we're coming to you because you're the last hope. And I get right, very right. sad. And I said, can't I be the second or third yeah, option right. instead of the last one? Absolutely. You know, and so the people are committed. It's rarely that I see a case where they say, you want me to do what? I said, yeah, I want you to do this. Put it in the vagina and, you know, or this or do that. This is no. So the programs that we have are very, very tight. There's not taking 40 different products. There's, you know, maybe three in the morning, three different products in the morning, maybe one or two in the afternoon, and maybe four or five at night in conjunction with, you know, either using injectable testosterone every third day or Clomid every third day or once or twice a week with the testosterone. So it's a very tight, it's very cost effective, it's very functionally efficient at what it does. And you overload people, they back away. I agree with oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So you have to be very conscientious about the psyche of people with, I've never taken an aspirin before in my life, and you want me to take <laughs> 45 different things now? So, anyway, so keep it simple. Well, that's what I'm curious about is how much pushback are there from soldiers you're working with who are at rock bottom, but then they're overwhelmed by the protocol saying, well, this sounds like a lot of work, even though that seems like a ridiculous comment. Andrew can answer answer that and also what we have in play in case that happens. Yeah. Well, that does happen. And, um, you know, you try to screen and we make it very clear to our participants like, hey, we are in high demand. And if this isn't something that you don't think you're up to, you know, there, there, there's no mispreconceived notions about what's going on when the, right. somebody comes on board. That being said, we still have a very small percentage, maybe five percentage of people who just for whatever reason fail to co- cooperate. Um, and I am sympathetic and empathetic because I know they're just not firing on, on all cylinders. So we have a, uh, a patient advocate that will try to work with them to establish these patterns that I, you know, the ones I just went through are uh, pattern specific to the individual to help them implement this in, in their daily life. And then yeah. it will set, help them set up reminders via apps or, or calendar apps or whatever to automatically remind them that they need to take something at a certain time. So we try to mitigate those factors as much as possible. Does it work for everyone? No. Does it work for most people? Yeah, it does. So, you know, we're going to keep on keeping with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed when, and this is this doesn't happen often when people take my products, but I'm always amazed when someone will say, hey, I took your stuff for a couple of weeks. I felt great, but then I lost consistency 
It's like, what can you, what can I do to be more consistent? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you said you felt great for three weeks. Why wasn't that enough motivation to be more consistent? <laughs> Come on, man. It's like, I got to tell you where you want me to call you up in the morning and tell you to take your, you know, <laughs> yeah, you need to have so you're, an, you're an adult, man. Be a, be a man. Take your stuff. You got to make that app. Come on, Mike. <laughs> the Rock doesn't, you know, he, he has an app that wakes people up in the morning to go work out. I mean, come on. You missed out on some money here, dude. Well, I remember Eva Langoria said she hires a trainer to come wake her up out of bed. <laughs> like, literally take her out of bed to like, go. No, you don't need a trainer. You need your parents back. Okay. That's, all that. <laughs> that's what like, that sounds on. like to me. And every time my parents woke me up in the morning, it sucked. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. My, well, yeah. When my dad woke me up in the morning, it was either a bucket of water or the sheets getting pulled off <laughs> in, a, in a cold winter, you know, in, in Washington, D.C. It's, it's like, time to get up. Shh. Pull the sheets off, you know. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just, it just baffles the mind, though, that when someone feels like crap and then you're giving them a viable solution and somehow they push back on that. It's like, well, they got their arms folded going, I, I don't want to take injections, though. What else can I do? It's like, oh, I don't want to take those pills, though. Is that, you know, is there a drink I could take? It's like, Jesus, man, you feel like shit. Why isn't that enough of a motivation to do what's necessary? You know, I think it could be a basic human response just to something new, right? So anything yeah, that yeah, you right. understand, or, even though it's kind of – Hello? I'm trying to. Like I'm trying to think, okay, maybe just because this is so new and radical, they're just not willing to accept a different lifestyle than, than the shitty one that they've created. I don't know. Yeah, well, diminished capacity, you know, plays a role, especially in all these guys that have, you know, TBI or trauma. That uh, they want to, but there are, you know, thoughts in their brain that's causing them not to. And it's not really who they are. They want to succeed. They want to improve. But there's something, you know, because that psychological uh, environment that their brain's in that's not allowing them to succeed. It's easier to say, no, I'm not going to do this because I'm so bad. I'm so worthless. I'm, you know, self-deprecation that they just don't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, you know, we implemented or... Uh, Warrior Angel Foundation implemented the uh, client support system or the uh, patient advocate because we understand, as Andrew already said, that um, there's diminished capacity, which is the sequela, the outcome of all the trauma they've had. So you can't blame them as much as it's it's funny and humorous to blame them for you want to feel better, but you don't want to do anything to make yourself feel better. Yeah. They don't have the capacity to do that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a those, side. It's very important to have those advocates like that. And I, yeah. I don't care what where the aspect you're coming from. It's, it's always important to have that support system. And I actually have someone who's been there and, and, and can relate to you because I think in so many cases when people are trying to make change, they tend to go to people who haven't been there. Like even in our, in our industry, you always have the guy who's been athletic all his life and he decides to take, you know, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go to college, get a kinesiology degree. And that's what I'm going to do because I'm great at that. And they deal with someone who's been battling weight all their lives. And uh-huh. it's just like, what is wrong with you? Just like, you know, you know, you're <laughs> sick. You've got diabetes. You're about to die. You got four kids and you know, it's very irresponsible of you. You need to just suck it up and get your shit together. You know, it's, it's really easy for that guy to say that, you know, they don't know what that other person's been through you know right. so i think it's very helpful to have someone who's walked who's walked that journey or at least mm-hmm. headed in that direction they may have you know veered another way but they they get it so it becomes very helpful in those situations yeah that's the empathy and sympathy and experience well i think you bring up also a good point both of you but also something that you said gordon dr gordon is when you're you're dealing with someone in such a depleted state that just getting out of bed in the morning is a challenge, you're just programmed to be depressed all day long. 
So I mean, just getting that person to do anything is going to be difficult. Someone like right. someone like you, Andrew, you were feeling like total crap, and somehow though you still had this this drive to want to improve. You actually wanted to feel better. Yeah, you know, just just sincere man knocked it out of the park. I think that's why it's important in, in anything that you have to have somebody talking who's who's walked that road. You right, know. Right. Right. And uh, that, that's why people are willing to listen to us, at least in the in the veteran community. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of that has to do with my, uh, you know, my past accomplishments uh, in, in combat or whatever. But that that um, that gives us the street credibility that we need to be heard. And because we're coming from a place where like, hey, this is what happened to us. This this is what can happen. But more importantly, here's a way out then that is received more times than not very well than right. somebody who receives something from an outsider. Yeah, I think some of, the, some of the worst advice people give is when they say, you just need to get over it. <laughs> I mean, that's some of the worst advice. I mean, someone who is programmed to be – like someone who's never had depression before. It's just like what you said, Sincere. Someone who's never been overweight before trying to tell someone who's overweight, just come on, man. Suck it up. Someone who's, been, someone who's been depressed. <laughs> right. and someone who's never been depressed trying to give someone who, who deals with serious depression – advice is going to be ridiculous because they don't get it like oh why are you depressed man just do this but you you've never even suffered depression so how are you going to tell someone who's depressed what to do and then there are different levels of that so yeah you may have been depressed because okay you know your girlfriend broke up with you when you're in college you know your first year in college you know, compared, <laughs> compared to someone who's been who seriously lost two parents and a child in a car accident and you know and they were the only ones to survive that accident and that happened 20 years ago and they still carry that around it's like dude that's a different type of depression so there are different levels of that so it even goes deeper than that but uh, i think also on the flip side of that um that andrew can address you also have probably in your situation a lot of times your situation where it's not so much that they're not feeling good every day and they just say you know what i, I got to change this but they have that mindset where you know what just gut through it you know just suck it up like you know they they personally have that attitude where you know what just get over it dude you're you're tough you've seen worse you've been in combat you've seen things far worse than this you know just get through that you know a lot of times i'm pretty sure you deal with that too before people yeah. actually really want to come and get help because they just feel like you know what i'm i'll just deal with it i'll just deal with it and they take on that burden man it's funny because a, a common response will be you know i don't want to confront what it is that the problem yeah. And what if what if we run this analysis and it comes back that nothing's wrong with me? Right. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. And it's all just fucked in my head. And, you know, so that that's where we really have to work with them to make them, you know, understand the importance. You know, I always tell the guys, hey, you have nothing to lose in the entire world to gain. I mean, think about that. So why don't we just see where you're at? And oh, by the way, anybody that we've ever ran a laboratory analysis on their uh, hormonal panels, thinking that they had TBI, shit, it, it was conclusive afterwards <laughs> that this person has suffered, you know, significant trauma as a result of their laboratory uh, results. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that someone like you is spearheading this whole thing, Andrew, because. You're about as mentally tough as it gets. You know, your background is very elite, and yet you, when you were suffering from this, you were drinking all day, and and you, that 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 was your way of coping with it for a while. Yeah. So for I, you for you to have to, to take this the final step to get out of that, it seems that it seems like a lot of factors happen around you. From hearing your stories, like you, know, you were looking at how your behavior was affecting your kids, how was it affecting your wife? But it took a while of that. Before you actually did something about it, you know, I think what happens to to everybody when we get in these certain certain perceived difficult situations in life is that we get obsessed 
over ourselves. And that's certainly what happened to me. I became obsessed of what I thought was unfair, you know, treatment. Uh, you know, life was just dealt me some unfair cards. And then I was being mistreated, you know, by the military and I wasn't going to be able to operate anymore. And it was just me, 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 me. And I would just live in that in that funk. And it wasn't until some people that really cared about me kind of shook me up and said, hey, you want to get better? You want to start, you know, improving? Find a way to help somebody else. Find a way to put value into somebody else and watch how that improves you. And, you know, it took me being at my son's bedside in the hospital, um, you know, where I've been mixing opiates and alcohol in his hospital room just to function to realize, you know what, if I continue down this same way and I can, all I want to do is blame external circumstances instead of taking control of my attitude, my effort, my thoughts, my life, then this is going to kill me. So I can, we can make that decision to, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, life happens for us and not to us. Right. We're going to shape our circumstances. And that's, that's the time where to me it was like, Hey, this is enough. We're going to go out there and we're going to heal ourselves. I don't give a shit if everybody says, Hey, there's no way that you can do that. We're going to figure out how to do it. And that mental switch was the key to be able to go and find different things. It was a key, the path that led to Dr. Gordon that then led to the foundation. You know what I mean? But the antidote for the suffering was appreciation yeah, and right. figuring out how to give or improve somebody else's life. Take take it off of me. And one, once that became the central theme, man, my life improved dramatically. You know, and and every day it seems like it's better than than the last. Uh, you know, with that kind of mindset. Yeah, I think your story is common for a lot of people that have overcome difficulty. I can think of several examples right off the top of my head of people that went through severe child abuse who overcame it by helping others, whether it's helping animals find homes, whether it's helping other kids who've been through serious abuse. It was taking the focus off of themselves and putting it out there in a positive way. You're basically channeling that negative energy through a positive channel. Yeah, Absolutely, man. You know, our, our, our perception, you know, our beliefs influence our biology. And so the, when you take, decide to take the stance that, hey, I'm taking control of life and I'm going to create a phenomenal life, then your subconscious doesn't have any alternative but then to follow the orders, you know, right, and right. then wrap that up in trying to find a purpose, a significance. And if you don't know what that is, look for ways to tie that into helping somebody else. You're going to be on the path to fulfillment. And fulfillment is the key to life. What are you doing that's leading to fulfillment? Right. Because if you're doing actions or behaviors that are not leading to you living a fulfilled life, then you need to take a close look at that and go in the opposite direction of those actions, behaviors, beliefs, uh, friends, you know, whatever systems or organisms that you're around. Yeah. Drive it towards fulfillment and you'll always be on the right side of things. Have there been other people like you who went through the program and then decided to become ambassadors where they wanted to help further this message, get it out there at a high degree? Yeah, we, we, did, we, have, we have a number of them um, and, and guys who were in very prestigious uh, roles within the military prior to and, um, you know, former CIA guys, this, that and the other. So everything that we do, Mike and Sincere, is to get to a certain end state. And we talked about it earlier, but we want Dr. Gordon's protocols implemented by the Department of Defense and the Veterans Administration. By 2020 is what we're working to do. And so the next step to get there is to publish 
the results that we've been producing uh, as viewed by an independent review board and then through uh, the peer review system and put it into the scientific literature um, because the results that we're, we're producing on a consistent basis is going to be, lead to what's called a scientific breakthrough. Uh, there's no way around it. So we're trying to build that case, do it right by presenting and letting other people validate the results that we're producing. Then we can take a package to the uh, Armed Services Committee and the Veterans Affairs Committee inside the Senate, and we have uh, a frontline trace to get into both of those when the timing is right. We'll then present a very, very bulletproof you know, case right. on why this now needs to become mainstream. I think it's interesting that with the, the, the women you're working with too, some some of the women military women that have gone through sexual abuse have developed similar issues to what you guys have. Now, is brain trauma a part of this in terms of like some kind of head concussion, or is this just the psychological trauma that they've been through, or a combination of both? Yeah, a combination of both, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> It probably is a combination of both. And, you know, the psychiatrist would probably lean more towards the PTSD from having such a emotional um, trauma uh, being raped. As I, I can't personally imagine it, but I've seen the end result. It is traumatic. And whether or not during the course of the physical abuse there was any kind of uh, physical trauma that translated into TBI, traumatic brain injury, you know, is to be assessed. But the hormonal assessment can clearly state um, if there has been a significant amount of head trauma to interrupt the production of hormones. But it, it's a combination. In that scenario, there would probably be a combination. And we have a case right now, which I think that is, you know, probably uh, the psychological might be a little bit stronger than the physiological or the biochemical, but we're using the biochemical to try and help with the, the psychological uh, uh, impact without going on to traditional antidepressive medications and so forth. Yeah, it just seems like the biochemical focus should be part of therapy recovery. Yes. Because most of the time, as you said, it's focused on psychological Correct. Well, but, that's, but that's not going to address hormonal damage that right. occurred. Right. You know, um, I just gave a, a presentation where I spoke about my past history. I had five head traumas, and before a head trauma association where personality was done, when I was between 34 and 47, developed depression, was put on antidepressants, huh. but I was still depressed. You know, and it wasn't until later when the hormonal uh, panels were found and I was deficient in testosterone, thyroid, and growth hormone that um, some years after that even started looking at the literature and seeing the relationship. But, but traumatic brain injury and PTSD are two worlds apart. I don't really believe in PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder. If there's one iota, a one inkling of any kind of trauma, you have to first look and see how that trauma influenced the hormones. If you can absolutely find nothing and there's no physical component to it and strictly, you know, seeing uh, uh, one of your uh, soldier uh, buddies or one of your buddies being uh, killed or yeah. seeing a family member shot or whatever, yeah, then it's PTSD. And, you know, what we're finding in the stress issue is that as cortisol goes up, it drops off thyroid and testosterone. So what is it that really needs to be fixed? Do you replenish the hormones 
during this stressful time, is that going to alleviate it? And that's what we're looking at. Right, right. Yeah, so maybe you just it's maybe it's a temp, it's something you do temporarily and then Correct. wean off of it, right? That could be the same thing with Correct. people that have been through the sexual abuses. Maybe they need to be on some kind of hormonal protocol for a while and then they can wean off of that. That that is our ultimate goal to be, you know, perfectly honest. Right. I, I see everything that we're doing in terms of the hormonal replenishment. We're trying to do it in a in a in a means by which it won't permanently shut off your own production of hormones or take over control of your own production and then slowly start weaning people off the stuff and seeing how they respond when they're off their products. Yeah. So that's, that's much different than someone who's had the brain trauma where you're not going to get natural testosterone back. And in some cases you're not going to get natural growth hormone back. Correct. Well, I used to think that way. And in fact, there was a, um, a veteran that we took care of. This is before warrior angel foundation started, um, uh, supporting it. Um, we had a vet who was hormone deficient from multiple traumas. We put him on treatment and then he gets private sector. He's deployed someplace, you know, wherever it was in the world. And for six months, he wasn't on any of his products. He comes back and we run him through testing and his testosterone level was just below the level where he was on the peak of his treatment. Oh. And that was Clomid. So, you know, in um, in the past, we used to treat. Uh, I used to treat um, bodybuilders who were using an exorbitant amount of uh, steroids, and they had burnt out their system. And we were still able to get recovery. We put them on Clomid for uh, recovery years after they were depleted, and in some of them, they were able to regain some degree of uh, autonomous production of hormone. Yeah, that's really interesting. So maybe someone could could use Clomid for, let's say, six months, and then that restarts, rejumps their natural production where they don't need to keep using it. Right. Or maybe they well, come back every once in a while. So like maybe you go through a couple months out of each test. year, yeah, a couple months out of each year just to jumpstart your testosterone production. Yeah, well, this three years that I've been using Clomid has a finer point at the end, and it's called failure evaluation. We're at some time in the future, we're going to pull off the Clomid, and we're going to look at where they fall. Right. And we're hoping because we've been able to um, eliminate or reduce the amount of inflammation in the brain, that maybe this neuropermissive environment that Andrew related to or alluded to um, had a chance to regenerate. You know, we thought that the brain, once you damaged it, that's it. Well, it's not true. There's yeah. some phenomenal research around the planet in McGill University with a Dr. Uh, Arturo Aguro who's actually able to regenerate neurons. And we know that you have to have a neuropermissive environment, which basically means the environment has to be conducive towards nerves regenerating. And we know things from UCLA study, allopregnanolone from progesterone from pregnenolone, helps to regenerate nerves. We know growth hormone helps to regenerate nerves and neurons, and uh, excuse me, nerves and the uh, little tubes inside the nerves called microtubules that help your 5-HTP and your norepinephrine, epinephrine be translated or transmitted from one end to the other. Right. So I'm very hopeful, I'm very optimistic that at some point in controlling the inflammation, feeding the brain, keeping it active, and stimulating it for the neuroactive steroids and neurosteroids that the brain will take over again. Yeah. 
Now, with Clomid, one thing, uh, you mentioned that there weren't any side effects that you guys had come across. I read in some literature that Clomid can cause some level of ocular stress. Have you come yeah, across that at talk all? talk about floaters. Right, right. Yeah, I We're talking about floaters I, in the eyes, people, just yeah, to clarify. Floaters. I, haven't, I haven't seen that floaters. But <laughs> two things that are in the literature and we see in our population, we had a veteran come into us who was low in testosterone and everything. He had headaches, basic headaches every single day. And on top of that, he would have five times a week, four to five times a week, three migraines a day. Hmm. On the Clomid, his migraines disappeared in three months. His oh. headaches, he was having one a week. Wow. Another side effect in a 2003 article was talking about the safety of Clomid, Clomiphen citrate, and uh, its use in males with low testosterone level. And a side effect was improvement in erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So... I, you know, in the literature, they've got one article here, a couple of cases there, and so forth. But we we keep an intensive monthly assessment of our patients, right? And uh, every three months for the first, you know, six months to a year of hormonal levels to see the relationship, the correlation between improved hormones and improved uh, life. Is there is there an average increase that you've seen with Clomid in the people you've treated? Uh, great question. Uh, the end of this year will be the completion of the third year of study, and we will go and start doing those numbers. But roughly, we're seeing anywhere between a two to three hundred percent increase in their baseline free testosterone. Yeah, significant. Very and, significant. And another issue is some, uh, as I said, twelve to fourteen or twelve to fifteen is the optimal range for free testosterone in the majority of people. And we have people who come in with all the symptoms, and their level of free testosterone is 9. Yeah. And I said 12 yeah. to 14, 12 to 15. And their total testosterone is like 580. Right. And according to the medical community, if they're less than 300, then they're deficient. And so what I'll do is I'll put these guys on a trial run of Clomid and bring their level of free testosterone up to that 12 to 14 range, ignoring the total testosterone, and what happens? They get improvement. I don't doubt it. Now, can free testosterone go? Is there a number that's too high? Um, the only problem with, no. The only issue is in a unique individual, what happens with free testosterone, it goes through a couple of stimulation metabolites. And one of the end products is called adenylcyclase, which can cause you to have like overwhelming speed in your body. Huh. And... I've had two people out of 140 who developed panic attacks hmm. 30 minutes after taking our oral testosterone. And that's because of this adenylcyclase. Lowering the dose or not using the product is how we avoid it, but no problems on injectable. Yeah, because I've taken Delgado's Testrovita cream before, and it, my total testosterone will be around 550 to 600 uh, using my stuff. But on his, it went to 700, but the free testosterone was at 50, you know, way off the end there. Well, And I felt I, I didn't feel anything negative on that, but I was just curious if, if that's too high a number. No, I've had people in the, in the low 40s, and it's because they responded to Clomid. I have a small handful of guys who – uh, responded so well to the 50 milligrams every third day that we dropped it to 25 milligrams every third day and had still had phenomenal levels. Right. You know, 
it's you have to always individualize everything you do. Otherwise, you'll miss these unique cases. But what's interesting is I've I had higher free levels on Dr. Delgado's Testrovita cream, which doesn't have testosterone in it, and I've taken testosterone cream in the past, mm-hmm. and my free level didn't go anywhere near that high. It was maybe twenty, twenty-five, which is a good number, but it didn't yeah, go, it didn't go to number. it didn't go to fifty though. So I found it interesting that a cream which has pregnenolone, DHEA, and Scottish pine bark, which mm-hmm. is Andro, I found that. I found it interesting that that increased free testosterone more than taking actual testosterone cream did. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. But uh, I'd like to know what really the Scottish part component <laughs> yeah, is. I was about to say, I wonder what else is in this. <laughs> that's right. You, know, you were just telling me about this knockoff Cialis, which has uh, yeah, yeah, clomiphene yeah. citrate and uh, an astrozole in it. <laughs> Well, hey, I'm bringing up your friend, Dr. Delgado. Maybe, I'll call him. Maybe you guys had a little private discussion. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, don't tell anyone, but I, I put a little bit of this in there. <laughs> it's the combination. Um, you know, we use uh, DHEA and pregnenolone to increase cortisol, so I've never had to use an adrenal fatigue or adrenal well, one of my theory, one of my theories with this is this, right? Okay, you got pregnenolone, you have DHA, you have the Scottish pine bark, which is consists of high level of andro. Now, all three of those are precursors to testosterone, so it's right. possible that each one of them converted a little bit to testosterone, and maybe maybe it's that combination of those three and their conversion to testosterone that drove up the free level for some reason yeah. higher, higher than just testosterone would that's that's plausible to- but if you're using topical stuff it gets converted to dihydrotestosterone because of 5-alpha reductase in the skin so 70% of your topically applied testosterone will be converted right well that was where i think it might have been morgan teller who said that for guys who want to improve sex performance, they can take a little bit of the testosterone cream and then you actually rub it on your Johnson yeah. <laughs> because, because it'll increase to DHT more, which is important for erections. Absolutely. Uh, in 2005, we did a study where we took a 10% PLO, which is a phospholipid uh, delivery system for testosterone, and we had the guys uh, place one gram onto the scrotal sac because the scrotal sac has so many hair follicles. In the hair follicles is 5-alpha reductase that converts testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, right. which caused a one, and a half, one to one and a half inch elongation of the penis and a half inch to three quarters of an inch in girth. Oh. And that's because DHT stimulates the blood vessels, right. dilates them. So Yeah, there was a funny study in Italy where they – took a bunch of older Italian guys and they gave them DHT cream. And I think the, the side effect is some of these guys started losing hair, but none of them wanted to get off of it. Because no. Their sex drive was so high and their right. sex function was so improved that yeah. they're like, screw it. Screw <laughs> it. Bald is in anyway, so why yeah. <laughs> They wanted to be balling, not balding. <laughs> but it seems like there's a problem, though, with DHT cream, because if DHT does go too high, then it can have negative effects on the prostate. Right. So it has to be a balance there, right? You don't want to have these Absolutely. astronomically high DHT levels. Yeah, DHT levels greater than 55 nanometers per deciliter can cause uh, thinning of the hair, oily skin, acne, prostate enlargement, and shrinkage of the cojones. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Morgan Teller did say that the study that was done on 
on the connection between testosterone and prostate cancer was really flawed. I think it was based on one person at the end of the day who developed. It's 1941 Aaron yeah. blood test. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. He's, his book, Testosterone for Life, is well worth reading. It's right, that's the best book. I'm 14 sure. bucks off of Amazon. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. And he's, he yep. seems like he's researched that. He says he doesn't really worry about DHT in terms of the connection to the prostate. No, he doesn't worry anything about testosterone. There was a study, you know, we were together in Orlando, and uh, we were talking about this study where they actually gave supraphysiological levels of testosterone to guys who had cancer of the prostate, called prostatic intraepithelial neoplasm. And they monitored them over this two-year period of time. If the PSA went up, they biopsied them. And what did they find? No change, none whatsoever. Well, I think there's kind of a saturation model that makes sense here, right? Like if I if I pour a cup of water on a plant versus a gallon of water, it's still going to absorb the same amount of water in terms of what it can utilize. The rest Correct. is just going to spill over, right? So right. with so with, with with fueling prostate cancer, it seems that it doesn't matter if it's a lot of testosterone or a little bit of testosterone because you only need a little bit of testosterone to fuel it if you're prone to that. So even if you have low testosterone, it only needs a little bit of that to fuel the prostate cancer as opposed to, okay, now you have this excess level and that's going to fuel it more aggressively. Well, in studies that were done on prostatic cancer, uh, they took, um, it's called uh, LINCAP, L-N-C-A-P, it's the line of cancer of the prostate, and they put estradiol, estrone, testosterone, DHT, free testosterone, androstenedione, sex hormone binding globulin into petri dishes with these uh, with the cancer strain or the cancer line. And what they found was estradiol was the only one that accelerated their rate of growth. Right. Okay? Right. It's not testosterone. And then without getting too technical, in the prostate cancer, there's an enzyme system that is based on estradiol. Right. And which is aromatase. Yeah. Okay. So. So it seems like the wrong focus. It, it's been going along. correct, but uh, you know like that's ex- how they Excess control. estrogen is more of a problem. Correct. Than, than being problem. too anabolic, you know, having optimal DHT means you have optimal testosterone, etc. So that's not going to be the problem. It's it's having way too much estrogen and not enough of your androgens to balance correct. it out. To balance it, yeah. you know, from the male Massachusetts study and a Harvard study, they found this curious correlation between low free testosterone and higher grades of prostate cancer, Gleason scores, high. How is that possible? Well, it turns out that free testosterone testosterone has a positive effect on the prostate, keeping them healthy. Right. So if the small cells with low amount of uh, testosterone stimulation, when you get an inflammatory process, which cancer is, inflammatory process, it doesn't stimulate the cells to produce PSA to go up. So what happens is it takes longer and a larger volume of cancer to create the inflammation to cause the rise in the PSA. Yeah. So low free testosterone can be a marker for warning for prostate cancer. Yeah. I think I, I think testosterone oh. is not only misunderstood in the medical community, it's misunderstood socially as well. And what I mean by that is if some jack off starts a fight at a bar, people always say, oh, man, that guy's got too much testosterone. In my opinion, it's more the opposite. If you have high testosterone, you're not going to go out there and try to overcompensate by getting into bar fights. You're going to be be calm, cool, collected, 
while someone who is more estrogen dominant is probably going to be like, okay, I need to assert myself. <laughs> you know, they're going to be thinking that. They're going to be thinking in their head, I need to assert myself so that my manhood is, manhood is intact. Yeah, but men aren't the only ones that can have high levels of estrogen. <laughs> well, look, I was a bouncer in a nightclub for a while, and I can tell you one thing. I broke up a lot more female fights than I did male fights. <laughs> that was difficult to break it up because where are you supposed yeah, to grab her? <laughs> I, bet, I bet you waited a while before you broke it up. <laughs> we didn't have much of a chance, man. These women were vicious. If I waited a while, eyes would have been scratched out. <laughs> I have to grab a woman by her hooters and throw her out. You know, you don't talk about uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Well, so, well, so what's next for you guys, Bill? What's the next big push you're, you're all working for with Warrior Angels? You know, it's it's uh, continuing on the same track, but like we talked about, we want to push out the results. Uh, we want them to be independently verified, um, you know, by a peer-reviewed panel and, and then push out that information because I think, you know, we're having such a phenomenal response. Um, we want to continue that, but at a greater magnitude and that is the vehicle that will allow us to do that. So right now, that's that's a driving focus to continue to usher in change. And Dr. Gordon, you're actually yes. training quite a few doctors in your protocol. Well, have, uh, have people been receptive in your community? Uh, it's a small population. It's not as large as we need. We have 80 that we've trained, and um, November 10th in Las Vegas, we'll be training another group of docs. Uh, it's for those who are free thinkers, it makes sense to them. Also, the majority of the doctors that we interact with are already doing interventional endocrinology or anti-aging medicine, so it seems a natural step up to uh, the uh, additions that we have relative to just generic hormone um, replenishment or HRT. Right. So uh, it's slow. You know, that's why we enjoy coming to programs like yours and to share um, what we're trying to do and achieve and our achievements to date so we can enlist more docs. We need another thousand doctors to help us. We have, no I don't know how many thousands of veterans that are waiting to get into the program, as well as on my side, we have lots of civilians. And I can't handle it. I can't go out of states. Uh, so therefore, we need to recruit docs and train them. And it's a six-month process minimum to get trained. A class, an exam, and then we they have to process two patients through our protocol and report on them. And once they report on them, then they get incorporated into our network. Yeah, you're not it's doing just, you're not doing weekend certifications. No, <laughs> it, it takes a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about you know one hour video conference. Yeah, you're past. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, because. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think the problem you have is probably the same challenge that a lot of anti-aging doctors have in that the general medical community marginalizes anti-aging doctors as quacks. Correct. Is that – are you looped into that as well? well? You know, in 2007 when I wrote the book on interventional endocrinology, it was yeah. basically to offer the anti-aging community an alternative term to use to call themselves as opposed to anti-aging, which I think seven or eight states had made it illegal oh. for you to call yourself an anti-aging doctor. So I don't believe in anti-aging medicine. I do believe in good medicine. Yeah, and anti-aging is probably not the best metaphor to describe it anyway. Well, because, because it's more about hormone optimization rather than, okay, we're going to 
Like we're, we're, we're anti-aging. <laughs> so we're against aging. So these are the protocols we use to prevent it. It almost sounds like that. Yeah. Well, I go, to, uh, when I used to get harassed back in the early 2000s, you know, when a colleague I hadn't seen for a while asked me, so what are you doing? I said, I'm doing anti-aging medicine and immediately goes <laughs> to talk about my dog, my, my mom and my children or something. Uh, <laughs> Because, uh, you know, there's really no such thing. And when I said, uh, what are you doing? Interventional endocrinology, uh, they said, oh, what's that? And they were more curious to understand it. Also, I turned around and say, okay, you're an anti-aging doc. They looked at me and said, you're crazy. I said, you have a patient comes into you and they have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. You give them medication and the cholesterol drops and the blood pressure drops. Didn't you just prolong their life? Right. Right. Didn't you also do something that's called can be called anti-aging because aging is you know getting closer to death? <laughs> yeah, you could say every doctor should be anti-aging. You know, you're yeah. looking at that. That's the whole point of going. We're anti-dying, so you live, so you live you know? longer. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-dying. <laughs> so it just seems that like like a lot of doctors just don't understand hormones. It's been my experience where they'll just say, "Well, you know, you're getting older. Your testosterone is supposed to go down," as if that's a positive thing. As if your testosterone going down as you get older is is some positive mechanism. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, you know, the argument I always have with my esteemed, educated colleagues, as opposed to myself, is that. Why is it at 25 to 35 years of age, having a testosterone level of 1,000, 1,200 is normal, and when you get to be 70, having a level of 100 to 200 is normal? Yeah. <laughs> Please explain. Healthy, not healthy. Right. Good level of testosterone, healthy. Low level of testosterone, not healthy. Depressed, suicidal, fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why would it be beneficial to have low testosterone at any? Yes, age? you know, <laughs> if it were high when you're young, why is it beneficial that it's low when you're older? That's because they say because uh, we need space. We need you out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's beneficial it's, on that front. It's you know? Eight billion people here. That's why you got to go, buddy. <laughs> so yeah. that's how they're looking at it. Like, well, yeah, they're gonna have go. to put a timer in us. <laughs> but the, but the problem also, Doctor Gordon, is that how many people? 25 to 35 have a thousand on testosterone. I mean, I've looked at a lot of blood work myself, and I, I rarely see people above 500 at any age group. Um, yeah, 690 is the midpoint on our lab. So a thousand used to be the older one. It's like in the past, it was 270 to 1730 was the no, range. But what, I, what I'm alluding to yeah. is that people are so unhealthy now. Oh that yeah. I think the average testosterone for someone that's 25 now is significantly lower than it was, yeah. let's say, when you were 25 or even yeah. when you I know was 25. Why? Yeah. There's something called environmental toxins that interrupt the production of testosterone. What we're finding in the veteran community is that if they're exposed to mercury chloride, like in blasting caps and so forth, or mercury exposure, yeah. that it blocks the development or the metabolism of DHEA to testosterone. So you have huge DHEA uh. and very low testosterone, and the majority of docs don't even look at DHEA. Right, right. So, yeah, understanding you clarified it. Thank you. But environmental... Toxins. Yeah, it seems like what, what are we supposed to do about that, though? Because it seems like that's so prolific that to defend yourself against every possible environmental toxin out there well, seems like a really daunting task. Yeah, the PBCs, the BCAs, the XYZs, the JKLs, <laughs> yeah. all those letters are out there, 
in either I mean, our there, there's, there's probably hormone disruptors in condoms. I mean, well, you know, it's a... <laughs> you think? You think? <laughs> giving, giving more guys reason to raw dog it. It's like, look, girl, I'm not trying to get any toxins, so I don't wear anything. Yeah. Well, so, then you got to worry about the, the toxins she's going to give you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's the ones that have the spermicide in it that's toxic. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. If you kill the swimmers, what does it do to the rest of yeah, us? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what does it do to the pool? <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> the pooch. <laughs> <laughs> It just seems like that's such a different. Then there's the prolific cell phone usage and yeah. just wireless networks everywhere. Well, so we're just being bombarded. Started. You're just yeah, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi it up, you know, everywhere. So. Right. We're just being bombarded. So radiation. Yeah. Microwave. Or even flying in an airplane, like those of you who fly, you got you two fly a lot, right? So I'd be mean, just even every time you fly, it's. It's like being in an MRI. Just machine. trying to get to the plane. Yeah. You know, you're getting shot with it. You know, when you're getting <laughs> TSA, it's like here's a little zap for you right here. Take that with you onto the plane, buddy. Hey, you're, being, you're, 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 use, you're being sexually harassed by the yeah. TSA. People. Use an aluminum foil cap. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around with an aluminum foil. Head I'm, sure, I'm sure that'll get you to TSA a lot faster. Like, wait a minute, hey, we need you to step over here, sir. Sincere had enough problem getting his shea butter through him. Oh, I know she took my shea butter, man. It's like, like this is not a threat you want this for yourself don't you like we don't allow any butter we don't allow peanut butter we don't allow a cashew butter <laughs> it's shea butter i'm not eating it, 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 it is, and it's, it's it's solid well no it can become liquid i'm like so can you <laughs> like yeah you get through don't you <laughs> come on man yeah so it seems like that just protocols to defend you from environmental toxicity is going to be something that's going to be a, a focus as we move forward. I mean, you guys are already doing that to some extent with N-acetylcysteine and things like that, but it seems like that's going to become more and more important. Uh, yeah. Uh, detoxification, de-inflammation, those are probably two of the most important, most critical uh, facets to improve upon the natural biochemistry of the body. Right. Well, hey, guys, this has been really interesting, as always. We could definitely talk a lot longer, but I'm sure you two have some better things to do. Where can people find more about everything you're doing with Warrior Angels and the 9-11 fundraiser that's coming up? For all information, it's one centralized location. That's waftbi.org, waftbi.org, as well as Dr. Gordon's sites, which I'll let him refer to. Yeah, it's uh – tbimedlegal.com and if they go there there's a clicker that takes them right to Warrior Angel Foundation too but uh, the good thing about that Mike is we got all of our um, media on there Mark has all of the media and in addition to some of his um, lectures that he gives that I I highly encourage others to to watch it's very informational so just a a wealth of information between the two sites uh you know, on the specific science behind what we're doing, as well as the the results that's being produced. And what what about your book, Doctor Gore, and traumatic brain injury? Is that something that you would think is accessible to the average person, or is that more for medical professionals? Um, it uh, has a lot of gobbledygook in it uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to help um, physicians to start the process of learning. Yeah, I think that a um, Enthusiastic uh, layperson, I apologize for using that term, an enthusiastic individual without yeah, medical background, a good term. that they can go through it um, and glean a lot of uh, information that they can direct towards questions, towards their own 
uh, physician or healthcare provider about, so how come you don't do my free and total testosterone along with DHT, sex hormone binding globulin, and estradiol and just do a total testosterone? <laughs> that's when the that's when the doctor finishes smoking his cigarette and goes, I don't need to. <laughs> that's right. And that's exactly what they say. Yeah. Why Why do you want to know that? That's yeah. the, there's that question. What, well, a lot of people have told me they try to get those tests drawn, and the doctor is defensive. It's like, why do you want that? You don't need to do that. It's like, oh, you're 30. You don't need to, your testosterone's fine. Yeah, I, I've I've experienced that personally. I'm like, really? Oh yeah. He's like, well, you, you don't have to worry about that right now. I'm like, why not? <laughs> why, right. why do I want to worry about it when it's damn near too late? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, he, has, does, he, he doesn't know whether you need to worry about it. Exactly. Or not until both of you see the test, you may exactly. you may definitely need to worry about it. You know, <laughs> that's the whole point of the test. Come on, man. You're young. That's old people's problems. I'm like, come on. Man. You know, the, the next time, if you if there is a next time, the next time you have uh, at least Andrew on the. Uh, on the program, ask him to tell his story of what they put him through in the military when they found that his testosterone was so bloody low. Well, do you, do you have a few minutes now, Andrew? Is that a long can story? Or can, yeah, can we touch on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, help to start the story because I'm not sure um, where it's going. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, the, the point was that when you were found to have low testosterone, as you told me the story, that they didn't believe that it was low naturally. Oh, yeah, so they- yeah, okay, great. That's all I needed. So first, I, we had to redo the test uh, three or four times, and then I got referred out to see an endocrinologist who was a full bird colonel uh, at the time. So there I am, a senior enlisted SF dude, talking to this guy, telling him you know, how my life is just you know, spiraled out of control. And his response to me is um, – that the only physiological explanation that my testosterone could be so low was that I was abusing anabolic steroids. And before we could even speak about any treatment protocol, that I had to take a, uh, uh, a urinalysis uh, to you know, verify or, or that that was indeed the case. And if I was proven to be not on anabolic steroids, then he would consider treating me. And that's not uh, an isolated case. I've heard that from another uh, from another vet, where the first thing they do is they accuse them of abusive use of steroids. Yeah. So I just just it was it was shameful. But um, again, I, it's it's a system that has been uh, wrongly programmed. You know, that's all it is. So I look at it now as they they just didn't have the information, and this guy because I was fit or whatever, you know, thought I was enjoyed wasting people's time and talking about how difficult life is you know that was his response okay did we lose Mike? yeah Yeah, I think so Um, yeah yeah, anyways but uh, that was that story yeah it was better you saying telling it (laughs) Well, thanks. Well, thanks again, guys. Appreciate right. it. Great information as always, and just best of luck with everything. We'll definitely keep thanks. supporting everything you guys exactly. do, and I, I think this is something that every listener should feel compelled to support. And like I said, I think a lot of people often feel that making a five or ten dollar donation is not enough, but it's better than not doing anything, which is what you're doing if you don't make that donation. Right. So some people are going, I don't want to just make a five dollar donation. It's like, well, make that now. 
And then if you want to donate, you can always later, come back. Can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I'm pretty sure they won't say. I don't think Dr. Gordon Andrews gonna like. Nah, man, you already gave us five dollars. Beat it. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna say if, that, man. If so. 300 million people, right, which is the general population of the country, if everyone gave a dollar, you could you could help every single person yep. with traumatic brain injuries. You know, so it's just yeah. it's to me it's just ridiculous that. I think the big. I think one of the problems is that people always think, well, here's what the government should be doing, and those that, those are all those statements are true. But what what the fuck are you doing? And why don't you focus on what you can do instead of worrying about what corrupt politicians should be doing? You know? Absolutely, and you guys have just been such incredible supporters from the bottom of my heart. Mike, sincere thank you guys for supporting us and allowing us these incredible opportunities. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. man. A pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. Did I send you a copy of the book? Yes, you did. Did I Uh, send you one, Sincere? uh, No, sir. Okay, send me your email or send me your address so I can send it. I think that was the only thing I didn't have. Okay. And I think you'll be able to get through it fairly well. If not, call me. You'll you'll find, Sincere, if you take a couple of psychotropin sprays and then read the book. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be awake. (laughs) You're really going to get into it. I feel like I'm part of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's interested in in hormone optimization should definitely check out the book. Like you said, you know, someone who just has a very surface interest, they just want to listen to a show like this or they want us to help them understand it, it's probably going to go over their head. But if you actually have a a real interest to understand these things and get into it in, in more depth, you should definitely get the book absolutely okay. and uh, a third of the proceeds goes right to WAF oh that's fantastic yeah so alright super appreciate it gentlemen thank you right. appreciate thank your you. time too be well take care guys thank you. take care guys bye bye thank you Michael bye take, care. take care and again that's Dr. Mark Gordon Andrew Marr of warriorangels.org just fantastic guys that was a really interesting conversation yeah and, you know, it's funny that some people have commented, oh, I really like the episode with Ty Ritter. It was really, I really like when you guys do fitness stuff and nutrition, but, you know, this is, this is you guys taking it to the next level. And I agree with that, but it's not the first time we've taken it to the next say, level. All right. <laughs> this isn't a new theme of the show. I mean, if yeah. you listen to the first year that we did this, we had people like uh, James Pond on the show talking about all the great work that he and his wife do to help w- people that have been victims of human trafficking, just like, uh, Impact. Ty Ritter's kind of like, Ty Ritter's kind of like the guy who goes in in there with his team and gets them out and then someone like james, james pond is the person who helps them when they're out yeah, yeah exactly when you know get back into the world you know so yeah that's fantastic work james yeah. pond story is extremely inspiring i mean if you haven't heard that episode you need to go back to either one of our websites you can find it it's yeah. the first i forget which episode it is but it's, it's it's within the first 20 that we ever did yeah we've had a bunch twice so it's not just once you know, we've had Andrew on, we've had Dr. Mark Gordon on talking about these themes. We've had we've had quite a few what I would consider off topics where we move away from just fitness, nutrition, training, and get into some real causes that everyone should be concerned about. Yeah. You know, putting that strength to use other than in the gym. You know. Yeah. So yeah. And some people are like, oh, you should have more episodes like Ty Ritter. It's like, you know what? <laughs> you guys should fucking donate more, and we'll have more people like that on because on, on the, the unfortunate reality is that. In some ways, it's more useful for us to have like a Tomless Inkledon on or a Steve Maxwell on or a Dr. Wong. And I'm not diminishing any of those guys. Those guys are great because that in turn helps 
a move a lot of product on my website, which in turn Same helps here. me donate more exactly. you know, to people like Ty Ritter and people like Dr. Mark Gordon, Warrior Angels, etc. Yeah. So in some ways, I've been thinking, believe me, since that episode on Ty Ritter, I've been just racking my brain on, on what I can do to help him yeah, out. Same here, man. Just... The reality is that the best thing I can do is grow my business dramatically mm-hmm. so I can donate a lot more instead of hoping other people make donations. Because bottom line is we know most people don't do jack shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, even, I mean, uh, even of the 2,500 people so far that I've downloaded that episode with Ty, how many of you actually made a donation? I, I bet less than 10%. If you, I mean, that's being generous. Well, on the flip side of that, even with this episode, you know, again, I think we mentioned this before when we had Andrew on the show. For so many people, especially this time around, election year, and everybody's in there, and all politicians are all, you know, all about the troops and all this supporting our military. And then, of course, the natural reaction for anyone following these politicians, you know, who support them is going to say, like, yeah, yeah, because, you know, I support the military too. Here you go. Here's your chance. Uh, your little magnet, your little yellow ribbon, not enough. You know, here's, here's, on your car, not enough. You know, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing now. Here's how you're really supporting them. Because, you know, just sitting there saying, like, I support what you guys are doing over there. Okay, now here's how you can support them when they come back over here. You know, when it's just not, I mean, take, just read some of the stories, man, like this on Humans of New York this week, man. You know, this past week or two, he's been talking to vets. And just some of those stories, man, like, how, you know, you, you have to really ask yourself, like, OK, do I really support the troops? Like, look at what these guys are going through, because a lot of that stuff is so what they really go through, especially when they come back home, is usually it's dismissed. What they're doing over there is usually, you know, it's very it's kind of just put to the back burner. It's very just right. you know, just kind of gloss over it and give you a little bit. You have one or two ways it's like, oh, they're protecting us. Then you also have the other side like they're over there destroying these people and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, no one ever looks at what these guys they also go through. It's just like. No one is innocent in all this. You know, everyone right. is suffering. Of course, someone's like, well, they chose to do that. Yeah, but sometimes compared to what were they going to deal with if they stayed here? You know, so again, it doesn't, that doesn't even matter. That doesn't even matter. You know, cause you're just come from somebody that wouldn't step up five seconds to, to defend anyone that right. always has something to say. Right. You know, they Absolutely. won't even defend their own girlfriend when some dude touches her ass in the club. <laughs> like, oh, you need, that dude just hit on me. What did you do to him? <laughs> you know, you got that. <laughs> so, oh man, that's a real sad but common story. Well, know? that's usually probably guy that's probably going to end up going home alone that night, and she's probably you know, <laughs> yeah. since you grab my ass, I'm gonna go ahead and go home with you. So anyway, at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself like, okay, how am I supporting these guys? You know, especially because they need even more of your support once they come back home, because right. they're a lot of times, a lot of cases, they're not getting it from the like you said, the government should be taking them. A lot of times, they're not getting that good support. That they need from the, you know, from their actual bosses, the people that actually hired them, you know, and, and to go out and do a job. So if you really support them, hey, man, here's one way you can do that by going to Warrior Angels Foundation, going to their website and doing this. Because not only are you just giving to this organization, you're helping them help other veterans along the way. So therefore, they're giving back, you know, so it's not like they're just sitting over there and it's not like Andrew's rolling around in like a Mercedes Benz or something like that in, in, the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area and all this. And he's balling out of control. It's like, nah, man, he's. He's trying to help take care of those guys because he's been there, done that. You may not have been there and done that, but you know what? You can help him help those other folks, man. And again, I think, I think one of the pushbacks a lot of people have, and it's not an unreasonable one, is the fact that all day long people are getting inundated with different causes. Oh, yeah. That, I get it. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're all important. So it can be overwhelming going, well, shit, man. I mean, which ones do I support? And and which ones of these are worthy of support? Meaning that is the money actually going to go to help anyone? And I think one thing we do on the show is – we carefully vet nonprofits yeah. before we bring them on the show. So whether it's Save the Chimps or it's Voice for the Animals, Melia Kaplan's organization, or whether it's James Pond, which transitions global, 
whether it's Ty Ritter with Project Child Save or whether it's Dr. Mark Gordon and Warrior Angels. I mean, these these are carefully vetted organizations that we both support. Exactly. Even and we're not asking you, yeah, we're not asking you to support any organization that we don't support, and we're also not asking you to give money to any organization that is not doing great work where no one is no no one has a trust fund. No one's going up on a Hawaii vacation with the money you're donating. Exactly. So you know. Because even if we mention someone or mention a situation that's going on, like I mentioned in the last episode, what was going on in South Louisiana, you know, right. it's like, you know, right. if you, you know, I, I, I mentioned that and I was like, you know, I'm not saying to go out and donate to the Red Cross because I have my reservations about them. I have heavy reservations about them, you know, especially just from experience from other disasters that have happened in that area where there's still a lot of things coming into question that people just kind of forgot about. But what I did do is that I did repost on Instagram and Twitter you know, a, way that, a way that you guys can help. You know, with all these different drop off points and all these things that they need in those areas and that these are local. Like I always said, you know, the one of the first things you can do to know that your charity, that your donation is going to actually the people that need it the most is really start from a local standpoint before you go with these big national corporations, you know, that call themselves nonprofits. And so I posted something, you know, where, you know, there is all these drop off points in Louisiana they, or in other ways that you can find that you can help them out a little bit on a more local basis like that. So not just throwing stuff out there, just, you know, just to throw some crap on the wall and see if it sticks. You know, I try to do our, you know, we do our best to give you guys the resources to do that. Even if it's just talking about a charity, you want to see exactly where all that money's going to. You can go to Charity Navigator. We've mentioned it millions of times on the show, you know, so therefore even where all the let's just say all the charities you are donating to. You, you wonder like, okay, how's this being used? Charity Navigator is a great start to kind of see exactly where your funds are going. And then, you, you know, if it's not going to where you, you know, being used the way you want it to be used, reallocate that to someone else that's doing a better job. And that's what I did when Mike first hit me to Charity Navigator. I was like, I was realizing like, whoa, I'm like, why is this CEO making this? And why is all this going into marketing and everything else? But only this percentage is actually going to what this organization is supposed to be about. So just really, that really helped me out in a lot of ways. And then also just validated my original theory where I'd rather just deal with more, a lot of local charities. So therefore I can see you. I'm right in the same city as you, you know, you're not that far away. So I can actually, you know, Hey, come in and check and do whatever else. And just like, okay. And, and also what else can I do since you are here locally? You know, as right. a food bank, hey, can I go and help you guys, you know, pack, you know, back to school, you know, backpacks for, you know, kids who are not necessarily getting breakfast and lunch and help them out like that on top of my donation. So there's just there's so many ways that you can help out for. So don't feel like like Mike was saying, like, so inundated with everything that you just feel like, God, what do I do? Who do I go? Go with the one that, that that pulls at you the most, man. Trust me. There's a lot of things I see constantly like, God, yeah, we when you're a good come on, look, man, you're human. And, you know, we our general nature is to want to help people. And you want to help everyone, but you know, it's just, it's just not possible. But trust me, helping one person is helping a lot of people. There's a ripple effect to all of that, man. No doubt. There's a ripple effect to that. So don't, don't feel like, you know, you, you know, whatever you, whatever you do is not, it doesn't count. It does. It does. So don't sell yourself short, man. Yeah, that's well said. I agree completely. And I think what's good about some an organization, or not an organization, but a website such as Charity Navigator is that it does give you some good intel to draw upon. I mean, I was pretty disappointed when I saw that the president of the Red Cross pulls a $500,000 yeah. a year salary. And then you look at how much they have in assets, billions of dollars in assets. I remember a news report where the Red Cross was talking about how they got hit hard yeah. by the stock market, too. And I go, well, why do you guys have a lot of money in the stock market? Shouldn't right. that be out in the field helping people? 
<laughs> you know, so yeah. it's just and when an organization gets really big, there's often a level of bureaucratic inefficiency that's going to come with it. So that's why I like what you said, sincere about local organizations, smaller organizations where you can actually see what's going on. And the organizations we bring on, we usually have some kind of relationship with whoever the head is. Exactly. Whoever, like we've had Mark in on many times. We've had Andrew on before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty Ritter, I've never met him before, but he, a mutual friend of ours, John Pierre, who's a very selfless guy who's been on the show before, yeah. he recommended me to him. And I know John does very careful vetting before he supports any organization. And Ty is one of those guys, man, you listen to that episode, you can't tell me that's acting. No, you know, no, you know, man. that that wasn't him going, OK, let me put on a good performance to get some donations here. That was about as authentic as it gets. Exactly. Like dude, you can you can feel the heaviness of what he does, you know, and how it's affecting him, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm sorry. You just you know, just because this guy's a stuntman doesn't mean he's an actor. OK, so yeah. I started reading his book. You know, Your body is your own. Yeah. That book is intense, man. I mean, I was I was reading it. You know, I like to do some reading before I go to bed at night. That's not the book to read before nah. you go to bed at night because <laughs> the first the first uh, chapters on pedophiles and why they're pedophiles, and I was like, boy, this is not what I want to be reading right before yeah, I go to man. bed, man. <laughs> and then the second chapters like on child abuse, I was like, nope, don't want to read nope, that too late there. at night. Oh, I'll read that during the day. That's like that's definitely a one chapter per day kind yeah. of book. You're not going to kick back on the couch and that's, that's one. with a cup of tea and no, that's <laughs> one of those chapters you do right before a heavy deadlift session because that's just, you'll probably hit some PRs after reading that, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It, get, it Put gets on the right bad. music. It's just like okay, you know what? I can't take these fools out on my own, but you know I'm just taking it out on these weights right now. Right. You know. Right. So, you know. So yeah. It gets you mad, man. I mean, the, the other book that um, you, what was the book you recommended to me a oh, while man. back? Oh, um, the, the Gift of Fear. Yeah, the Gift yeah. of Fear, which is a great book too. Yeah, but but Ty's book makes the Gift of Fear look like a Disney. Yeah, movie. I know it looks like a you know again, it looks like Mad Libs compared to that. You know, so he doesn't hold back, and it's a book made for parents to protect your kids. So every it, parent should get that book. Yeah. That's for damn sure. And everyone, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I'm very concerned about these things. So even every non-parent should get this book because I I want to be as as aware as possible. Because like I said, when I'm out there walking the dogs and I see kids, I'm keeping an eye out just yeah, to make sure they're okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not just going, oh, I'm sure their parents are close by. I don't need to no, do that's anything. my natural reaction. My first question is always, where are your parents? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just as, as the parent in me is always just thinking that, like, where are your parents, man? Like, why are y'all just running around? Like, okay, especially here. Like, we're the adults. I don't understand what's going on right here. Right. Because I'm in this business of anything can happen, and here's how you can prepare for any, just about anything can happen. You know, right. how do you how do you work through that? And try to avoid as many opportunities as possible to where anything can happen. You know, Mr. Murphy is always waiting, always yes. waiting around the corner, you know, to make anything happen. So, you know, so I'm just trying to be the guy that fucks up Mr. Murphy's day as much as possible and try to make people more aware how they can screw it up as well. <laughs> Well, one thing, not- one thing, one thing Ty talks about in his book is how he's had ex- mainstream exposure. He's been on Dr. Phil before. Yeah. He's been on these other mainstream mediums, <laughs> and yet his organization is just struggling to stay above water. And that, to me, is that made me more angry than reading about the travesties in the book because here's a guy who's putting everything on the line to help kids, to get kids out of the worst situations you can imagine, and the organization is 
is just fledgling along. Yeah. That is shameful, man. I mean, everyone who hears about the organization and doesn't support should be embarrassed by that. It's like, this is the kind of organization you want out there. You know, if something ever happens to your kid, God forbid, you want people like someone Ty you, out there. If you don't have you know? kids, someone, I know you know someone has kids, and I know you love someone that has kids. Right. You know, so there's somebody that you care about that has kids. So I know it's very easy for someone, well, I don't have any kids, so I don't have to worry about that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> because it's not, somebody, it affects Everyone involved. Well, the Everyone problem involved. is a lot of people mm-hmm. think that this is a third world problem, yeah. right? They think, well, that's terrible, but that doesn't happen in America. That happens in Peru or somewhere. It's like, no, it happens in America. Kids every year are kidnapped in America hey. and put into human trafficking, never to be seen again. Yeah, I'll play devil's advocate. It's my, even if it happens in a third world country, a lot of times it's first world money that finances those situations. Absolutely. You know, so therefore it's happening in America. And it's not any less important that it's exactly. happening. Exactly. You know, that's the other thing. I want to <laughs> exactly. Do. It's like, kid, look, man, when it comes to not, not children, American animals, kids, not any less important. Exactly. Yeah, any, anyone innocent who did not ask to be in this situation, who, who were in a position where they really can't defend themselves, it sucks no matter what. Whether whether it's children or if it's animals. Okay. It, it sucks. And you know, here we are, we're in a position where we can do something. You said people love to throw that phrase around. Well, we just need to do something. Yep. Exactly. Here's some, here's, but here's the thing. Most people that say that and they never have a solution. You know, a lot of, you know, even the politicians just do something. What, what, give me something. They never yeah, have anything. One thing you have to realize what? about like what Ty <laughs> does is he's not just going around giving lectures. He and his team, Go in and rescue kids. They go all in. Yeah, they're not just talking about, okay, here's what you can do to prevent, which is also important, but they – you want to talk about leading? You can't lead by the front anymore right. than what they do. You know, that's it, man. He's in a, they're in a position it. where they really hope that they 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 no longer need that organization. They it would be great if they shut down for other reasons, for the fact that no one needs right. their services anymore. That's right. just not happening anymore. Right. That that would be great. To my, that's the only only way i would want to see his organization shut down is because you no longer need it right it's, it's it's done okay so there it is so up until that point let's keep let's continue to help these guys man this is one of those things where it's a very difficult topic to even hear about so i get that yeah i get that completely and believe me it was intense when we were talking to ty in the episode yeah, yeah. i mean that was that was a tough episode but that messed with me it still messes me it still messes with me, with now, with me man and you know i'm still getting especially texts for the first few days afterwards i still got some triggers going on you know i'll get a text and you know people like hey man i just listened to that episode or you know I'm like damn and i was just like and then i just get I, I get that feeling i get again that i had while it was happening while we were recording you know so trust me it's not like i for, i just said it and forget it and i've forgotten about it i'm like nah but what what happens is those feelings start coming back even stronger. It's just like, ah, man, this is like, so I always okay, tell people, I, I go, I go, yeah, it's uncomfortable to listen to it's dark stuff. But how do you think those kids feel right now that are in those situations? Because there are thousands of kids right now that are in the very situation he mentioned on that book and no one's doing anything right to get out of speak. that situation. Right now as we speak, you know, while you yeah. listen to this episode. So think about that, man. You're, you're, you're in your, you're sitting on your couch or in your car, comfortable, safe, listening to this episode. Think about the people that are suffering that he is actually going out to help and how many more he could help if everyone donating, everyone who listened made a donation. Hey, man. Again, that five bucks, it was a long way. To my, for, grow that, that crappy coffee at Starbucks today and just, you know, give that the tie. 
you know, it'll, it'll go a long way into my, and it won't make your stomach feel upset like that coffee's probably going to end up doing because it's crappy. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah, so. Win one on both fronts. Exactly. You, you saved know. yourself from diarrhea and you donated to a good organization. I mean, exactly. come on. That's a, that's a way, that's a day, that's a productive day right there. That's a great day right there, man. <laughs> all right. So we all know the indirect way you can help out these organizations too. And the direct way to help us out so we can keep getting this great information to you is that you go to newwarriortraining.com. You go to mikemahler.com. You buy some products support our products and services, and then you allow us to keep growing our businesses so that we can have great lives and help others have great lives as well. There you go, because again, leading from the front, man. That's what it's all use, about. Yeah, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off. Yep. Go load up on some great supplements. Get ready for the fall. You know, Many of you have been drinking one too many martinis during the summer, and <laughs> you know, some of you guys are walking around in those swim trunks. You need to put your shirt back on. So, I mean – some people are like, you know, I want to I want to look good with my shirt off. It's like, well, the first thing you need to do is look good with your shirt on. <laughs> right? So that's what some you can dudes, spend. Some of you dudes need to lose that that imaginary um, sponsorship from Speedos like, like Ryan Lochte did. OK, <laughs> you need to go that route and let that go, man. It's, it's time to put them up. No more. Like, I'm not lazy. I'm just conserving energy. <laughs> well, it's, kind of, it's time to use some of that energy. And you can use that energy to get some great products using that coupon code, get 10% off, and then have more energy to get some great workouts and then feel more empowered so that you want to help organizations like all the ones we've mentioned. Yep, exactly. And you can also get the jump on the next phase. You know, here's the thing about the fall. You know, that's usually when, you know, you have new shows, you have new season, you know, everything's been updated. Everybody's playing catch up, you know, from the last time around and it's being renewed. Well, guess what? You know, we're getting ready to go into, you know, our new season of this show right here. So coming up, you know, as the fall is approaching, the next aspect, next aspect of this show is about to happen. So you can go and get the jump on everyone now and get a preview of that by hopping in, hopping on to patreon.com slash LLA podcast become a monthly supporter of the show through patreon and you'll be privy to the next change that's happening with the show which is there are going to be these episodes that are not going to be available for the public you know with the two of us and yeah man you're talking about you know really getting in there and feeling like you're sitting here with mike and myself you know that's that's what these shows are really going to be about on various topics you know so with very informational and then some of them is just going to be complete bullshit <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. but think about it it's kind of like you know this is the type of bullshit we don't share with our friends so uh-huh. you know so we don't just this is stuff we don't just talk about with everybody okay so so the thing is you want to be you want to be an insider on that type of stuff you want to sit down next to you want to be at the table with us like oh damn for real <laughs> you know? yeah sometimes you just want to hear a fun conversation exactly. so we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to deliver that to you and not keep it so formal in terms of just being very uh, precise with information information but uh we're gonna do an episode next week with just us and that's gonna be the last episode that's free with just us because starting in september we're gonna have two guests on per month which will be free keep building our database keep building keep moving the show forward and then we're gonna have two episodes where it's just just us and that's gonna be part of the premium package where you have to be a a patreon member to have access to us yep exactly not a bunch of magistrates like, oh, I got to go be a member here, here, and there. It's very easy. We already have it set up for you. Just go to patreon.com right now and slash LLA podcast. You know, you can start with a $5, you know, monthly donation or you can go higher than that. You can join the Patreon bumpers who started at five and now they're up to 20, you know, because they really value the information that we bring on this show. So I think I think it's a happy medium, too, because what we're doing is we're going to keep delivering some great free information as we've done for the last three years. Right. And then we're going to 
give you guys an opportunity to support the show that we can so we can keep delivering that free information yep. and keep supporting causes that we should all be concerned about. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, and also for those, you know, those Patreon bumpers or whatever, like, you know, we're looking at a way to make sure that it's worth your time as well. You know, because, you know, there are some people who are giving a little bit more each month than others. You know, so we're going to make sure that we look out, for, you know, you guys as well. So right. there you go, folks. So. There you go. We're putting that in your ear, and next week you'll get to hear a little bit more. And on that note, hell, it's like damn near two and a half hours. Let's get the hell up out of here. Let's <laughs> right. go right. wrap it up for this week, folks. We'll catch you on the next show. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.